playoffs are rolling, but we can't really talk playoffs because the games go the next day or that night, and you've already received it. Blah, 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 addition. <laughs> but really, more important, we've got the schedule coming out for the NFL, and Fezzik has 13 factors to consider. Did this team get a good schedule or a bad schedule? We know all the games. We just don't know where and when, and it really, really matters. And we'll be talking some NBA that's a little bit broader, a little Kentucky Derby. And we're joined, a new Tuesday tradition, Scott Seidenberg. He, the name just rolls God, off the time. God, that's a beautiful name. It's a, yeah. I mean, you Very know. Very easy. You make, it, you make it much more difficult than yourself. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, I like a challenge. And uh, we got Fez with us to the right. We got AJ in the remote studio and Mackenzie. And here we go. Fez, let's talk. Well, th the breaking news was Morant. I think let's put that at the end just because I think we're going to take some from SOV. And I thought the SOV was really good. And, and Scott was involved in that conversation. So we'll do that at the end. Why don't we start with the Kentucky Derby? Let's just, you know, one thing I think we do bad is we don't, we're not human enough. Right? We're fans. I mean, there's a reason we got into sports to some degree, right? We got to be fans. I'm not the hardcorest of fans. You know, like AJ's more of a fan than me, for example. Scott's a big fan. Fez, you're not. But we're all human. We'll start with you, Fez. What did you feel with that win? Other than it seems like maybe disdain that an amateur almost won something, maybe. This is terrible. So <laughs> disdain that the undeserving horse wins. And how can the winner be undeserving? Because <laughs> he wasn't. He only got in because he was of the scratches from the other horses. He didn't even but qualify. In a weird way, the gatekeepers were keeping him out. He finally got in and showed he was better. John, John Daly style, like yeah. like alternate. Um, you, you'll you'll laugh at this. You'll say typical Fez. You know I'm not a big horse racing betting guy. I yeah. think so. Yeah, so, we can tell. so everybody losing. I, I, I had the Schadenfreude from the fact that everyone who bet the Derby and pretended like they had an edge playing it, almost all those people lost. So hold on a second. Hold on. You are siding with the bookies? Oh, like you just want random betters to lose when they're playing into like obscene edges for the house that that no true advantage gambler would typically play into yes although i will say this so you want to so people are are too uninformed in your opinion to know what to bet and your response is i hope they lose more they're already at a deficit that they're that they're uninformed enough to bet this in your mind and you figure i want more bad fortune on those batters yes but to Why? be but to be fair i think it's an excellent point that the one race of the year that has the most public money is the Kentucky Derby. So you could certainly make a case. If you are going to bet a horse race, that certainly is the one where you could find advantages, even in a paramutual pool. You know, Fez, you are the only person that makes me seem like a really sensitive fellow. <laughs> I agree with that. I, I mean, I love it. AJ, what was your human reaction? I, I hope it wasn't you wanted people to get hurt or, you know. No, okay. I, I thought it was an amazing story. And I like just hearing it, I thought it was amazing. And then I watched the race. I didn't because I didn't watch it live. But when I watched the race, it's like, man, this if that doesn't get you going, I don't know what's going to. I, I just thought it was a cool moment. Scott. I had major FOMO. Like, why did I not bet on the longest shot in the field? 
Like, every, like when I see reports of people winning, it's like, I should have done that. But they were all suckers. They were like, well, why like hair dr- they were hairdressers why that were betting. Why wasn't I the sucker? Why wasn't I the guy who just said, nah, why not? You could have gotten put a one. Of bucks on the 80 to one shot. No, 80, you could have gotten 170 <laughs> over at Circa. In a weird, in a, well, I, I mean, the interesting thing is on the, the non-track odds, right? They're not paying track odds. Two hundred to one yeah. was available, <laughs> and that tells you the eighty to one. And my theory is now you've got a, a theory, Fed's a little different. I think they're both true, but I didn't really think of yours. My theory is that the name, combined with being the biggest long shot, was a perfect storm for someone to throw two bucks that was an or ten that was a, a casual, casual. Now this it. is strong. I really thought you made a great point. Cool name, Rich Strike. Mm. Big like, underdog. I'm a rich strike, you know, that kind of Horse thing. number 21. Boy, that's kind of a perfect storm for if I'm if I'm just trying to pick a winner out of a hat, that looks like a cool horse to bet on. But there was only 20 horses, right? But it was horse 21. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost like outside the range even. Like how yeah. this horse isn't even supposed to be running. It's almost like the great, I got to turn that down. It's almost like the great line in Tin Cup. Remember when he was saying after like round two or three, I can't remember, they're like, you took, you didn't play the percentages out there, and he's up there going, "I'm not supposed to be here," <laughs> you know. And it's like th- this horse isn't even supposed to be there. And to me, and we'll get Mackenzie's thoughts first. Mackenzie, I had a little bit of FOMO, a little bit of Schadenfreude, somewhere in the middle. I would say this as wait, my wait, wait, wait. Let's think about this. So you fear of missing out. You wish you had bet it, and then the. F- but how can there be Schadenfreude towards yourself? Or shot, you shot can't have shot towards for, every like everyone that, that won. No, shot and Freud towards everyone that had a great handicap on a on a horse that didn't win. Oh, you were happy that the sharps. Now that's funny. You were diametrically opposed to Fez. Then Fez wasn't happy that that I thought he was happy that that no. the sharps didn't win. No, he, he Fez was mad that the non sharps won. Oh, okay. You were you were <laughs> happy the sharp. So and Fez is a sharp. So he's thinking, I don't want my guy. I, I wish they were smart enough to know. But there's horse racing guys that are like the Fezic of horse racing, right? Sure. So and they lost. They oh didn't. yeah. And 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 they might have won on the matchups. Well, they lost. Mm-hmm. So this match. Oh god, they, they, we're gonna start hearing that. Oh yeah, I didn't mention him for two. I've been talking Derby for two weeks, but I didn't mention this horse. But um, you know the matchups I killed. You know I had a little bit on who's gonna never win. only yeah past post and I mean, center over Messier pig. Yeah, I mean come on. You know you bring up a good point though because the one thing I, I and I should I didn't give it out to be fair. Okay, but I said, why talk about it? because it, because, <laughs> because I think it, because we can make money going forward. Uh, okay, I think one of the coolest names of the wow, horses. Was, illustrating that you were on to something. Well, people were saying Messier, Messier, Messier is going to win. Poor Ken, poor Ken Thompson. I'm sorry, Ken. I'm saying that. he's like, oh, Messier is going to win, you know, because he, he, like, like, why are you bringing up someone in the industry and saying <laughs> a longtime t- teammate here and then saying, hey, he had a square play? Well, there, he's buddy. my friend, but so but, why then why bring up his loser? Because I think because I think he and a lot of people like like see that name like 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 you said. The, the, oh, people want to bet on Rich Strike. Oh, I want to bet. Any hockey fan is going to invest their money on Messier and put. Too much money on him, so thus value going against him in horse matchups. I did. So what I you're saying is not only did Ken Thompson lose, he was square making the bat. Sorry, Ken. I, I mean, this guy, he, he is the dirtiest player in the it's game. Just taking pleasure in people failing. I know it's it's odd. And the funny thing is, most of the time he'd get away with all of it, and and no one would have any idea what he's really trying to accomplish. 
And and Fez, do you resent the fact that I know what you're trying to do, or do you appreciate it? Like, man, this is a challenge. I got to try. You know, how do you feel about? I that? appreciate you, RJ. No, no, no. I'm being serious now. Because no, let's be I, honest, is you'd be pouring this stuff left and right. If AJ, like you guys are doing your uh, Thursday taping now, right? Yes. You could have said that AJ would be like, well, on to the next topic, right? You, he no, wouldn't AJ be saying, why is, are you killing Ken Thompson? No, AJ is rather interactive, I would say. Yeah, but he's not going to be calling you on that, is he? No. Okay. Now, do you like that? Like, like the, like the uh, doting grandfather? No, that I like know that you're taking money from his wallet. No, I like. I, I mean, <laughs> I like a battle royal where people hitting each other over the head with chairs. You know, okay. it's, it's we're both qualified. We both got hard heads. All right, but I got to get down to one thing. <laughs> I want to understand Mackenzie's thinking. Mackenzie aspires to be a sharp. He's been winning. He's a he's a he's got great insight. He's eleven and one. He told me. Yeah, I mean, you is know, is that right, Mackenzie? Yep, last twelve plays. Yeah. Thank you're you. Like, you're like over fifty five percent, right? All plays. Yep. 56. And how many plays? Two hundred ninety now. Two hundred ninety nine. Two hundred ninety. Okay. Yep. But somehow you resent. Pez is flashing a card that says I'm nineteen and five in the NBA playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I'm the dirtiest player in the game. <laughs> and thanks for sharing your plays. I, sometimes I, I get a play from Fez. I'm like, that's brilliant. And it wins. So, you know, oh, you're so lucky if, if he, his plays agrees with yours, it's okay. Let, let's, let's focus in for a second. Why would you wish those of your ilk sharps, why do you wish them bad fortune? It makes me look better in comparison. No. I have a theory. No. Cutting, making other people shorter doesn't make you taller. Go ahead. I think, I, I think in his mind it might because you said an aspiring sharp. It's just like if I were an, an aspiring NFL quarterback, I was, you know, and I'm, I want the 32 guys in front of me who are NFL quarterbacks to break their legs because now guess what? That opens up jobs for me. I guess you'd think that if you didn't think you were good enough <laughs> if there wasn't a rash of broken legs. So you're saying ultimately it's insecurity for McKenzie. That's what it feels like. But shouldn't he answer McKenzie? <laughs> huh. <laughs> With Fez, <laughs> Fez is secure. He Amen, knows brother. he's amongst that ilk. He, I mean, he almost invented some of it, to be honest. But. You aren't happy enough with that. You have to have other people, like, you hate when other people win. <laughs> That's weird, isn't it? Wouldn't you think the squares got more money? Aren't you happy when squares win because they got more yeah, money to bet into other pools? Exactly. But that doesn't even matter to you. You, you're, you wish I won it all now is what you're thinking. But you bring up a great point because okay. now they're all going to bet on Rich Strike again, and so now we can bet in horse matchups against that horse. I Let's like that. Talk Preakness in a second. Hmm. You got something interesting, though. Your take was here's why you think the price might have been more. I'm thinking because of the name, people bet it. It brought the pair mutual price down. You had an idea that because of when he entered the race, that maybe it brought it up. Yes, because let's face it, everyone doesn't put out the recommendations for the horse so, so race on people, Saturday. The, a lot of people bet the races are not handicapping themselves. They listen to shows Podcasts. like Scott's show and different shows. Right, different gambling experts. And, 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 and all the talk of those people on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, well, 
They all recommend horse one through 20, and the chance of them picking the winner was zero because horse 21 wasn't in the race. So anyone wasn't even in the race when the shows were on. So if you listened to like 10 podcasts and got the 10 most qualified people and took their and bet, bet their best bets to win the Derby, you went 0 and 10. You could not win. But what about all the matchups? So that's different. <laughs> All right. We're the dream preview. We got a rambunctious crowd today. So, Scott, in general, you grew up uh, in Brooklyn, right? Yep. And were you, uh, now, you know, the Belmont, is it right there in, near the city? How far well, away is it? Uh, from, depends on where you are in Brooklyn, about an hour and a half, depending on traffic, too. It could but there was OTP, <laughs> right? Off-track yeah, batting was big? Yeah, but Which the Belmont's was... a big thing. Belmont is a big thing for New Yorkers. Yeah, you mean that the, the track itself or that race? That race especially, but the track is always, I mean, it's the Aqueduct and, and, and Belmont with the mm-hmm. two big tracks. So what was, do you, because one of the things about you is you really love sports, you have these really sharp insights, but you play, you bet like a recreational player. Did you look at the Derby and say, I, I'm not sharp here, so I'm not going to bet it? Or I did know you go nothing for it? about horse racing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to the Belmont a couple of times covering it, you know, when especially in a triple crown year and uh, love it. I love going to the track recreationally and just picking random numbers. Um, but I don't, Claim to be a horse racing expert. Yeah. Don't so what claim. did you do? So what did I do? That. I bet twenty five dollars on Messier because I'm a diehard Rangers fan. Okay. That's literally what I did. That's the only reason why I even had and I and I'm smart enough to not invest any money in anything else because like I wanted to have a piece of it. I didn't want to watch the Derby and not have mm-hmm. any action on it. So I bet the horse's name, and that's it. I think that's healthy to, that's it. to, to understand <laughs> it's a recreational amount of money. If you go to a movie, you don't expect him to have more money when you leave than when you came in. Of course. But if he would have won, if Messi would have won, Steve, you would have been mad. Jesus, yeah. You been mad, tell you, right? They should have donked out that 25. Instead, he gets 150. Yeah. God looks out for, for drunks and, and certain gamblers. And you know what? I would have wore my number 11 jersey proud, and I would have flashed that ticket and then rolled it over into a Rangers probably game three bet that would have lost so <laughs> but but the funny thing is you just said like do you really think chronic gamblers that gamble negative ev have an easy life it seems like they have a life of certain destitution you know when you're playing blackjack it is shocking how you'll see a guy has no idea what they're doing and they have a score that is greater than any score that i've ever had on a blackjack table and it's like you walk away and you're like so you <sighs> you haven't worked you you were in your mid 30s making like 180,000 at an insurance company mm-hmm. right and you were a vice president mm-hmm. you decided i can take vegas for more than that since then you haven't had a straight job Yes. You live in a gated community that has, like, they take your picture when you go in. It's not just <laughs> something, like, you got to put a code in, right? Right. He can't remember if he drives his bins or his Beamer to work. He can't remember that. <laughs> but you but you go around mad if if some square. If like, I win $150. If, if he wins $150, you are mad. <laughs> Asshole, he just picked it on the name. Yeah. How, how does that go in your mind? I, I, I root for the people that deserve to win. To win. Oh, which is you. Scott to win. What, so when, when he plays on the abs and has a really good handicap, I root for that. Those bets to win. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right. The best part is like it's and, and like even on my shows, like I interviewed people about the Derby, and the first thing I tell them is, "Listen, I don't I don't know anything. Tell me, give me something, because I don't know anything." I, I'm not, and I'm not going to. We've established, we've established that. We, yeah, it's so funny, and and I tell you, Scott doesn't do this, or I wouldn't have him on, to be honest. But 
there's so many gambling shows now that every show is either loving a pick <laughs> or telling you why they're different because they're not telling you they love a pick. Mm. It's, I mean, you notice that? I'm not talking about anyone yeah. in particular, but it's like, you know, I could act like I know the Derby, but, uh, you know, it's like, but it's like nonstop. Is It's like, I could have said I bet this uh, yesterday, but I didn't. It's like, Jesus Christ, you don't have to bow down. You like yeah, pat yourself in the bat every I time. I love this game, but I stayed off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah like every time you do something that isn't scuzzy. Everyone grew up watching Two for the Money, I think, and thought, like, that's what everyone does. If I don't do that every turn, if I'm not double-siding you, you got to kiss my ass over it. All right, any closing thoughts? Oh, Preakness. So what I find fascinating is, and I heard this stat in passing, is if you look at the biggest upsets in the last 30 years – in the Derby, that horse has been in the money. I think it's five out of five, the five biggest upsets uh, or biggest long shots made the money in the Preakness, the next race. So I heard people speculating about eight to one they would expect in the Preakness. So, Fez, are you inclined to fade? Yes. Okay. I'm going to say one thing about how I emotionally felt about it. There's four ways I think you can be pedigreed in horse racing, right? One is your bloodlines. Mm -hmm. Two is your owner can be like in a big state, you know, big owner. Three, your trainer. Mm -hmm. And four is your jockey, right? And the best horses have a pedigreed jockey, a pedigreed owner, trainer, and bloodlines. Maybe one's 34%, one's 21%, whatever. You got those four. Yes. Yeah. And... I don't even know. Listen, I don't know horse racing. I could act like I do, but I. <laughs> but the fact I don't know the percentages. But this horse had none of this situation had none of them. I mean, the owner apparently they had a fire, an accidental fire, like in 2016, and like 20 some horses died. They were going to leave the business. Somehow they got talked into staying. This track is a track. The people I knew growing up at Mountaineer is where the, the jockey was from. And the jockey played for or raced Friday night, not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, five times. <laughs> and he lost five times. <laughs> then he got in his Chevette, I think, I'm guessing, in my vision, and drove to Lexington. That's where the Kentucky Derby is, right? Lexington? Churchill Downs. That's all Lexington. I know. <laughs> and literally got on the horse, like just met the, never saw the horse before, I don't think, and had one of the greatest rides ever. Personally, yeah, it, or Louisville, 700 Central Avenue. That's where I grew up. The, the main drag was Central, but like we, we were two blocks off it to the south or to the east. And it'd be like uh, the parents would be, you going uptown tonight? Uptown was walking the two blocks <laughs> up the, the, you know, the loop, as it was called. I think Mackenzie and Fez need to really look in the mirror. And uh, this is Fez's song in transition. Power to the people. Okay, we got a pick. We're going to insert this best bet early, and here's why. It's for a Wednesday game. We taped Tuesday. It's out Wednesday morning. Some of you don't listen right away. Well, you're going to suffer for it. Listen early. Subscribe. Get all picks. Wait. Don't. Does that make sense, Fez? It does. Okay. Diamond Dave Esler. 
Some call him Uncle Dave. I call him Diamond Dave because he's made me a lot of money, though not in that Milwaukee, Chicago bet. <laughs> God darn, I didn't like that. But, you know, it's the loss that proves the winning. You ever hear the exception that proves the rule? Yeah. I wouldn't talk about it so much if he lost for me often, but I'm a, a tough taskmaster. Let's listen to Diamond Dave. He's got something in that Celtics-Bucks game. I love him back to Celtics. First half under 108 Wednesday night. Look at the first half points in this series. 105 and 102 in Milwaukee. First two games in Boston, 95 and 96. Where is this 108 coming from? I mean, this series is all about the Celtics defense. How good have they been? Well, the Bucks averaged 58 first half points this season. This series, 45. Boston was number one in scoring defense this year, 104 points per game. This series, 99. They were number one in opponent's field goal percentage this season, 44. This series, 41 and a half. But here's the big one. Defensively, Boston was number one in points allowed in the paint. But in this series, the Bucks have outscored Boston in the paint every single game. What does that say? It says the Celtics will concede some twos to Matthews and Lopez, but they're not getting beat by the three ball. When did they make that adjustment? After the Bucks stole game one in that game, the Bucks took 53 pointers, shot a solid 36%. Boston makes the adjustment. Game two, Bucks shoot 34 threes, make just 16%. I digress. Where does 108 come from? Speculation that the Bucks step it up on offense? Well, Boston hasn't let them yet, and they won't in game five. I don't bet on speculation. Celtics, Bucks under 108 for the first half. What do you think? I think this is an exceptional pick. And, in fact, one of my sharps has sent me some notes on this game. Vito, I'm going to read this if I may. Quickly. The Celtics hit nearly everything they threw up in the second half in game four, 64%, 50% from three, fueled by some Bucks defensive breakdowns inside. Look for the Bucks to bring greater defensive intensity. Further, Robert Williams was out with knee soreness. Game four, an excellent defender at the rim. He was badly missed by the Celtics in game four. That will help depress the scoring in game five as well. Now, we're hearing different opinions on uh, some call him Robert Johnson. <laughs> But <laughs> I haven't heard that. Yeah, the blues singer. But the summers, I think Scott was saying that if you look at the plus minus, he's not that valuable. I personally trust Bill Simmons when it comes to the Celtics. He very much values the Time Lord, as he's called. Let's look real quick at shot quality, who seems to be like ass backwards in the NBA. I mean, it, it, it says almost, the loser should have won every game. I, it's crazy. Like they had, they had Memphis winning against when it was the thirty-point one against Golden State. Oh, the one forty-one, one eleven. Yeah. Game. So let's see here. Last game, he shot quality says. So this was the Celtics won by eight. Shot quality says um, one seventeen Milwaukee, one eleven Boston. Hmm. Okay. So that. Kind of backs up lucky shots. I tell you, I, I personally, I'm not, this is an official best bat. I like, in fact, I'm going to make it an official best bat. Let's go. I'm, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that wasn't very strong. Okay. I'm going plus five and a half, I think is the current line, right? Yes. On Milwaukee for the game. So the under I like here that Diamond Dave had. By the way, you can follow Dave on Twitter, Dave underscore Essler, E-S-S-L-E-R. Now, McKen- here's the thing you don't know. Milwaukee's gone under every game until the most recent one. 
except McKenzie somehow bet him a game that they went over. <laughs> what was that? How did you do that, McKenzie? I had the Bulls team total under, which lost in game two of their first round series. So when you said all their games went under, I had a flashbulb in my head being like, how did I lose this trend that's undefeated? So I, I uh, cognitive dissonanced myself to an error there. <laughs> okay. okay. Sounds complicated, but you're right. And in, in, in this series, uh, games pro- one, two, and three went not just under, but way under. But all you got to do is look at our sheet now that McKenzie's uh, put together at my behest, and he's doing a pretty good job with it. He's still got it bold, though. Are we going to stop the – oh, okay. I see it. I agree with it now, actually. Okay, that's interesting. Why are you making opening and closing lines bold? Whoever's the favorite. If it's a minus number, it's bold. If it's a positive number, it's not bold. But if it's a positive number, maybe it shouldn't be red. You following? Yeah, because we're, yeah. the black is the underdog. Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah, the black is the lower-seeded team. Uh-huh. I like it. I'll make yeah. that change. I don't know. You know what I really like, too, about look at, look at the totals they dealt on this series. So... Started to 18 and a half. Remember, as a series progresses. But what I'm saying is you can look at the prior series and see Milwaukee, if you look at the over-under, was under in the first game by 51 points. Uh, is against Chicago. Under the second game by one. Under the third game by 30. Under the fourth game by five and a half. Under the fifth game by one and a half. Ah. And it's gone. it went down about 13 points. Mm-hmm. And now you're saying it went from, what, 218 to 213 and a half. So it's only down five points on the team that has gone seven straight unders and then one over with some circumstances in game four. And as the series progresses, McKenzie, when is that game where it starts dropping again? Is it the fifth game? Yeah, fifth game is 47% under, then drops to 44% in game six and even less in game seven. And the totals themselves go down? Yes. Okay. That's just an all series. Yeah. All right, so I like Diamond Dave going under. And he's first half under, actually. Yes, and I like Milwaukee plus five and a half for the game. This not just doesn't make sense to me. What do you think of that? I, I you like want to bat me? No. Okay. I, I, I like both of like them. It. You know, I'm pro-Boston. I've been pro-Boston, but I think now that Boston taxes hit. So game one was, what, four? Game two was four, and now now Boston's laying five and a half. Why? Because Boston has out has outplayed Milwaukee. It's they, they, two-two. They've outscored them by five points per game. Oh. But the zigzag <laughs> now greatly benefits Milwaukee. I know. Yeah, so, so. I mean, think about this. Let's do the old RJ. Imagine the line adjusted. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine this line being a point and a half higher at seven? Give me my bet of the year on Milwaukee plus right. seven. And could you imagine this line being four? Sounds about right. It doesn't it? Yeah. Milwaukee. I think uh, it's interesting you said what you said earlier this week, or maybe it was last week, that the team, maybe it was the weekend. The teams that are underdogs right now in these 2-2 series are the teams that have the best player, like the dominant player is being dogged. That's which, an interesting point. I, it's a good, I mean, it's a good one. Think about who's the best player in the Mavs series, Luca. Luca. Right? So who's now Golden State? Let's accept the fact best player is this you know, stuff. Yeah. yeah. So okay, uh, but usually it's almost every series the best player is favored, and then in Boston, obviously it's going to be uh, uh, Giannis. Giannis, mm-hmm. and then it's obviously Embiid. Embiid. Yeah. So this is a rare case. Three of the four series has the lesser team mm-hmm. with the better player. Okay, that was a little sojourn into a best bet. We'll continue with the show. Next topic. <laughs> Let's talk NFL. And Fez, you got third. So the schedule comes out. Now let's talk for a second about how the schedule information is disseminated, meaning you're playing your in division twice no matter what. All right. Mm-hmm. So you got those six games. Now, based upon there's a rotation of you got one division you're playing in your conference. Yes. And you know ahead of time because it's a rotation in order and a division 
in the other conference. So those games are decided, which are four and four. So there's eight more games, right? So you got 14 games, right? Yes. There. And now you got 17. So what's left is you're going to have your two other slots. If you have the first place, second place, third, fourth, you have your two other slots in conference in the division you're not crossed with. And then one now, the new 17th game, across in a random other division which you're slotted to. Right. So if you're a first place team, you got three first place other mm-hmm. teams you so got to play. So it used to be two games were affected by your slot in the division the year before. Now there's three. Well said. So there's basically there's more um uh, par- it's more of a parody-driven schedule now than it was a few years ago because the last-place team picks up another last-place game. The first-place team mm-hmm. picks up another first-place game. So, But you would say before even the season's over, like for t- 2023, we know 14 of the 17 games. We know who's in division, and we know That's who, what the rotation of the divisions are when it comes to cross-division, in-conference, and out-of-conference. Yes. Three games are going to be dictated. But when the regular season's over, you now know all 17, all 17. opponents. And they even or, announced or which ones are at home division. and which ones are on the road. They've the, already announced that okay, long so they, ago. So they, when do they announce that? At the end of the regular season. Yeah. You okay, already, that's you already know who your following years, because like you said, you already know who the following year's opponents are after the regular season, and then they already announce who's home and who's away so that they start selling season but, but they packages. Did, but they didn't announce that for like the German, Germany game. They didn't know who was going to play in that's that. That's the wild card. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And that's Those, coincidentally, yeah. that's one of my items, and like the international know, games. When the games are, but like you get, you know, you get, emails from your team or whatever that says, hey, here are our eight home opponents. Season ticket packages are on sale. Let's go. And like yeah. Tampa is the home team, I think, in that game, I remember. So th- they just lose a home game. Yeah, Seattle that. at Tampa Bay. Good, Excellent. So, so Tampa loses. It. They have eight home games. They have eight road games. They've got one game in Germany. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so they do- – oh. Oh, so do they make sure because because if you play road or home in that cross conference, that's dictated by year to year. AFC plays all home and then they play all road, right? Right. So are they having all of the teams that are uh, got an extra home game, or is that always the ones playing the international games now? No, four of the five. All right. So so, so let's segue into this. Steve's got a sheet. He wants to read it so bad. Good looking you know, sheet. You know what we could do, Steve? We could get you. Know, you ever see the computer programs a bot that will read what's like an article? <laughs> we could just have him read that sheet, and you can go home early. But what would they wouldn't get to hear me talk about Beefsteak Charlie's? <laughs> <laughs> Is that code for something, AJ? I don't, I don't know. know what that means. Um, to me, here's what's interesting. You can bet futures today, right now. You could have bet them last week over, under, win totals, division odds, et cetera. But come Thursday, and it's trickling out before that, trickling out before that, is you can now know more. And some teams are going to be upgraded and some are downgraded. Their expected performance based upon are they having advantageous situations or disadvantageous Fez, you've got 13 scenarios that you are itching to talk about <laughs> that, that describe these various situations. Number one. Number one, international games, you don't want to be the home team. Obviously, you just— Could we say you don't want to play them at all? 
Now that's interesting. I don't. I'm not going to go that far. Jeez, all that travel. All it, it, it's extra travel. Oh my gosh. But now I. But now I don't have you know that two and a half points of home uh, of being on the road disadvantage. So. Exam Minnesota's playing. So you're taking an away game to go neutral. So if you're Minnesota, okay. you got to go to London, all right, to play New Orleans, but you don't have to go to the Dome to play New Orleans. So that you've got to, you're right, it's a disadvantage you're traveling, but it's an advantage that you don't have to play on the road. And you think that about evens out? I or? think so. Okay. I would say it's probably worth more than that because if you're getting two and a half points, let's say, mm-hmm. it's going from if you were even teams, you'd be plus two and a half on the road to even, mm-hmm. right? I don't think the next week, because remember, Indianapolis once played after the London trip. They played the next week. They were not downgraded by two and a half points. No. And most of them take their buy after that. So, exactly. So right. I would say it's an adv- Now I think about it. I'd I think say it's probably advantage. an advantage right. yeah, to be the road team. So there's five international games. So the advantage are the road teams and the international games. Minnesota, Giants, Denver, Seattle, and San Francisco. The teams that get screwed because they got the home game mm-hmm. is New Orleans, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and I think especially Arizona because Arizona has a division home game against San Francisco in Mexico City. See, I disagree with that because division home court field is. Oh, that's a great. You know, that is an excellent point. I'm just thinking the game's worth more in terms of. Okay, yeah, yeah, but 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 but, but you're right about that. Now, the one team I didn't include of the ten, Jacksonville. Because Jacksonville is so uh, well-versed. If there's one thing this Jacksonville organization does is travel, do well, travel to London. But if they're the home team, are they always the home team? Yes. Yes. They struck but, so that deal a couple of years ago. It was like a six-year deal. If they're losing a home game, they're not picking up two and a half. So they have less of an edge there than they would if they were playing a true home game. I'm not sure that's the they case in well Jacksonville. The they, they it may be the same. It's going to be the London Jaguars. It's, it's not the same. <laughs> it's about, I mean, it might be 25% Jags fans at those games, maybe. But they're so used to going. That they have that edge. I think the travel – now, does that decrease as it gets to be more and more teams have gone? There's more and more of these Probably. Games? Probably. So my question would be, like, does it punish teams like New Orleans and Green Bay more than Arizona because those are teams that have natural – Great home field advantages. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Versus Arizona, who's got you know probably more Cowboy fans than Cardinals fans in in Phoenix. It's not as big of a well, home yeah, field. Yeah, but they don't always play the Cowboys. No, but uh, <laughs> I mean, but I hear you. I hear you. We, we have the list now. Also, like travel is a big factor, and so the travel comes in with these international games. Uh, we know which teams are traveling the most, and we know which teams are traveling the less. And you said the Seahawks are one of those teams that's playing internationally. Seahawks have the most travel of any team this year. They go across 34 time zones. And that, whoa, is did that you, possible? Did you hear about the Raiders a couple years ago, the travel they had? <laughs> and R- RJ Poo-Poo is this. And they, it's really? true. It's so not. It's so not. you don't think that the Steelers, who travel only 6,000 miles and never leave the eastern time zone, seems don't have a benefit this season? It seems fair. Oh wait, <laughs> it, uh, it's a benefit. I think you bring up the good point that it's not the the, the where what the, the end all. I for think it everything. means something. I yes. think it's going to mean something in given spots on the schedule. It's not going to be just a fatigue the whole year. Sure, it's going to be that maybe if they have uh, two, three out of four road games. Yeah, but how many it, times do we talk about the West Coast teams traveling east for the one o'clock games? Mm-hmm, that's uh, or, or you know. But, but that's a different matter, right? That's a matter of biological or the circadian rhythms or the clock, and, right? And the Steelers don't change time zones the entire season. 
but the East Coast team. No, no, no. I'm not. Well, I guess we're talking two different things. So they I, could be hosting San Francisco in a Monday night game, and it would still be disadvantageous to Pittsburgh in that situation. The circadian rhythm aspect of the handicap, not the travel aspect. Okay, so you're saying okay because. If it's a night game, the West Coast teams naturally have a slight advantage, no matter yeah, where the game that's, is. That's right. I agree with that. But l let me state or respond to Scott. I am not saying there's not scenarios that travel matters. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that people try to paint it with a bro too broad a brush, I think. I think let's look. Once the schedule comes out, there might be two or three games. Well, Seattle always is good. Yes, be, every year. Yeah. Because just geographically, mm -hmm. they're far up there in a way that people don't even think of. And really. you nailed it because travel miles are bad. So Scott's got this list right now of travel miles. But wait, things could change because if Seattle plays – the New York Jets and the New York Giants back-to-back -back weeks, weeks three and four, they'll more than likely stay in New York and will take yeah, will take away 6,000 miles from their travel. Yeah. And teams have started to do that over recent years. Yeah. San Francisco's Hard, the best. Start, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And uh, Camp oh. out in Maryland or something and then they right. go, back, yeah. go to the Greenbrier. Yeah. Yeah. Though I will say, just because I love Belichick so much, the greatest I ever saw was Belichick said, you know, we got to play in Mexico City because, you know, they can petition the league. I, you know, I think it'd be better if we played Denver because they were playing Denver on the road the game before. So the league's like, okay. So they set up. So Acclimated so, to the elevation. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then they, <laughs> they train for Colorado Springs. Yeah, yeah. and then oh, they, they go, go and they Air just Force Academy and train. whack them. <laughs> yep. Got to love it. But And that's a situation you could say, oh, what a big disadvantage. You got the fatigue of Denver. You got to go home. So I, I do think that we – uh, got to take all of these season-long factors with a grain of salt, especially. But I do think maybe we start handicapping. Is this a team that does stay back east sometimes? Yes. Is there any scenario where they would stay back east? You know. But okay. Anything else on travel? Yes. It segues my, to my third point. Denver. Well, what was your second point? Second point was the travel miles, Scott. Okay. Went ahead so brought it up. So in general, but we know that already. Yes. But now on Thursday we'll find out exactly in which spots. Yeah. Okay. So, we're, so we're going to change the miles. So it's not travel change. miles. It's going to be travel scenarios. More. Right. right. We're, we're going to need to adjust the travel miles depending upon the scenario. Have you so. made any bet based on travel miles so far? No. Okay. Because so, I want to wait and see. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not so much adjusting. It's you're going to look at it in totality and say there might be a spot. Now my yes. understanding is DraftKings is coming up with. All the lines in every game except the Browns, like almost immediately after the schedule. So far, oh, is that right? They're going to put it. Yeah, they put so far. They put all the ones that we know about. Or, yeah, they put. They it. said Everything's all up. of them but the Browns because they're, they're, uh, they're yes. so afraid of the quarterback situation. Not afraid, but you know, cautious. You're, you, you know, you're nailing my points. Go ahead, um, Cleveland. You want to play Cleveland in September? All right. So first off, I disagree with this. Really? Here's why. I don't think he gets suspended at all this year. Whoa. Because they say these cases, and uh, AJ, you're probably on this more than me. The, the story is these cases aren't even going to be adjudicated until like 2023. Yeah. So, like, how they got no new information, right? If anything, he's, he's less, whatever you want to say that, hey, the NFL should proactively act. If they did that, go ahead. Oh, oh I was, I, no, I, I was just thinking about the Trevor Bauer thing. Like, Trevor Bauer was found not guilty. They said, you didn't do anything wrong. Justice system did. And MLB said, well, we don't care. Two years, you're gone. Okay. That's because it was kinky sex. I mean, it was just that no one's going to feel bad for the kink guy. Deshaun Watson was the kink guy. No, no, he wasn't. Yes, he was. I mean, he was paying he, girls to touch his butthole. Are you, are you butt worked hole. up already? 
I mean, you're just saying something that's wrong. Well, for how often is that the case, ultimately? Not very often. All right, that... so to slow down and maybe <laughs> think that you can't be indignant before you even start the conversation. Okay. All right. I don't think... Now, paying girls to touch is, you said, butthole? That's what they were accusing him of. Okay, so is that in court documents? Yes. Wow. Where did you read that? Did you read the court documents? We read this when we were in Houston, yeah. Okay. And you've been here the whole time we've talked about it, and you haven't brought this up one time? No. Okay. So what, in general, touch his butthole. Okay. In, in general, <laughs> I mean, we can all, listen, we can debate that. In general, he was looking for probably hand jobs and blow jobs, he, right? Yes. Okay. People don't think of having a masseuse. I mean, there is a term happy ending for a reason. Like, there's a lot of people that think about a massage and think about that. Right. So I don't think they look at they can say he's been he's wrong. He's uh, treating women badly. I don't think they're thinking that he's like a BDSM. But guy. you don't think the fact that there was so many of them makes that kind of a, a deviant sex thing? No, I, I think it's a, a predatory. It feels like it doesn't feel deviant. I mean, let's just poll. Does that feel deviant to you? Like when you think about getting massages and hitting on the women, do you think deviance or bad judgment? Bad judgment. That's what I think. Inappropriate behavior. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't register you as a sex offender. But, but, but yeah, to some degree, I think, let's just say this. The league has a vested... Here's the thing. A lot of people are mad at the Browns for signing this contract, not because they signed them, because mm -hmm. of all the guarantees. Mm. They believe They believe that the, that the game has now changed because of all these guarantees that now all the other contracts coming up, like a guy like Lamar is going to want his guarantee. And they got to put that money in escrow. This is an interesting thing that very few people talk about is when you have guaranteed payments once a year, whatever the future value is of those guaranteed payments, the team has to put into escrow. And that money does not gain um, – that money does not gain – interest during, or it gains like a very nominal interest, but you're not in a hedge fund. So there's a lot of money that the Browns ownership's having to put up because of this. And now all these other owners are going to be stuck. It seems like maybe they punish them severely because of that. But I, another reason, and Ian Rappaport's got something here. You want to read it, McKenzie? Yeah. He said the NFL does not have to wait until who this. They, who thought they have to wait? All right, good. All right. They don't have to wait. True. Okay, go ahead. There's precedent for them not waiting, but he said, but they do not want to get into a situation like they did with Josh Brown, the Giants kicker, where they suspended him, and then new information came out a couple days later, and it got them in trouble. They don't want that situation again. Yeah. I mean, I don't I mean, I don't think anyone thinks they have to wait, right? I don't think that I'm just saying it kind of makes sense. If they wanted to be draconian with him, they would have been last year. They could have put him on the uh, commissioner's exempt list last year if they wanted to. He was able to play. Yep. You know that, yep. right? AJ is in the uh, Texans chose not to play him. The Texans and Deshaun Watson chose wow. for him not to play. The fact he got paid means it was the Texans choosing. If he didn't want to play, it, they wouldn't have paid him. Like if they wanted him to play and he wouldn't play, you think they're going to keep paying? I mean, maybe they would. Who knows? But in general, the Texans just didn't want. They were tanking. they didn't want the headache. They didn't want. The, yeah, they didn't want the brand hit, and they they're trying to they're rebuilding anyway. Yeah. Right. And plus they went he, four and 12 with him anyway. It's not like they were going to they felt like they were going to contend with him. Plus, if he got hurt, you know, you lose all those, you know, potential draft or at least you lose some of the draft picks. Yeah. 
So I think in general, the odds are they're not going to suspend him until there's some adjudication of these civil cases, which means it probably won't be this year. And you know why I think it's going to be even more? Because of that do- that million-dollar contract this year. They were trying to dodge the ramifications of being suspended by making his contract this year only for like a million dollars. Right, base salary one million. So you think the NFL says we're not going to let him get off that easy? Yeah, I think, I could see that. I think mm. it's an extra incentive to say, oh, it hit him in the next year when it's like he's probably making thirty five or forty. I, I could see that happen. Because I mean, that's going to cost him fifteen million or something if it's eight, you know, eight games. So I actually think if I had to bet right now, even money, he doesn't get suspended one game this year. But also, interesting. I think on the other side of that, even if he does, I mean, because the Browns still have Baker Mayfield. Let's see if everyone agrees with this first. (laughs) All right. So go ahead. I think he'll be suspended. Okay, so what odds are you giving me? Even money. You just said I said I would bet it even money. I'm not saying that's what the fair odds are. I don't I'm know. I'm that's my limit. Uh, that's interesting. Are we going to know? Are you going to tell me exactly what your limit is? I would have laid minus 200 that okay. he would be suspended then for we'll a game. Then we'll do plus 150. There you go. All right. 450 to win 300. Like it. That's a nice compromise. Who? I like the way you guys did that. <laughs> we don't mess around. So, I, so I, 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 think it, I think it's a free roll. You know, it's obviously, obviously you'd, you'd like to play Cleveland week one because even if Watson plays, he's not integrated into the any offense. any chance of him? Get, what is the scenario he gets suspended for week one? I, I, you know, I, what's the scenario? I haven't thought enough about this. Well, I, I, you, you were jumping. You well, almost hurt your well, back going for the because every line. because every single person I've heard discuss it say, "Oh, I think it's going to be suspended four games." Is that is that? Well, it's that like so. I've taken means, it as being God's will, or or that this is going to happen. What's your thoughts, Scott? I I lean more towards him being suspended than not being suspended, but I don't think it's going to be six games. I don't think it's going to. You think it's going to be less? Yes. Oh wow! I don't think they can do less. Really. I, yeah, if I had to go over under five and a half, I'd go over mm. hard, mm. I think. I'm with you. I think six people feel like that's it. it, it over I, hard. Yeah. I mean, for I'd Watson. Be, uh, <laughs> what? His butt was hard? What are you talking just, about? Just, Apparently, it was <laughs> the butthole is the key here. It's like we're on Beavis and Butthead. Over butt. under. How many times butthole has been said yeah. on this podcast? I don't know. More than the history yeah. of the show before yeah. that, I can tell you that much. And AJ's the guy. <laughs> Mackenzie, what do you think? I had never considered that he won't be suspended, but looking at looking at the report that we're talking about, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Wait till after the season and punish him more. I can't even. I now come to your side. I can't even understand the scenario they would suspend him before. Like, like, like AJ. Like, I, I'm not saying you completely disagree with me, but like, paint me a picture of what it would be. They're just going to randomly say, "Well, uh, there hasn't been any movement in the court cases." He was found, you know, they didn't even prosecute on the legal side. Now, I'm not saying they can't, you know, Big Ben didn't have any prosecution, but it's like we're now going to act. The fact there's some an open matter that's going to like completely dig, like all the those cases are a discovery. How do you suspend him before that? And the fact that they haven't said anything about it yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think the Browns know it because otherwise they'd probably be more inclined to try to keep Baker. Yeah, but, well, you know, but, if they thought it was going to be this year, so do you, how much do you think the market's taking into account the Browns losing him for X, you know, for six, eight, ten games? Well, this would not that much. So pursuant to what you're saying, they're over under ten. So I, I and I thought, wow, that looks awfully high. Given so you're he saying might the miss market's kind of agreeing, the with market's me. agreeing with you. Yeah. I've never heard anyone else say it though. Is that because Baker's still on the roster? 
Like if Baker weren't on the roster, would there be more negativity? I think people in, in segue into that. Now I think people think there's zero chance he's going to be on the roster. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, he said goodbye to the city, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> so did Jimmy G. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people are saying McKenzie. I know it's he hard. He looks for, good, doesn't he? McKenzie. Jimmy G, the Eastern <laughs> Illinois G. graduate. Oh, he's got a, his jawline, very fetching. Butthole. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Would you prefer I use a different word for it next time? I mean, it did seem weird, but I'm not sure it, yeah. on radio or like on a you podcast. Anus or, you know, yeah, something I would have made fun of. I would have made fun of. There was no, there was no win for me there. I think maybe butt. Colon. But not butthole. Like, touch his butt, maybe. But yeah, I know but it wouldn't have scre- explained that. Watch like, that f- wouldn't be weird. If you want a masseuse to touch your butt, that's not weird. <laughs> when you uh, say that. Hey, whoa, whoa, tag that, please. <laughs> 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 Grab me that sound, please. That's a drop. Yep. <laughs> it's not uh, weird. <laughs> it's not weird. <laughs> My mommy said it was fine. Oh, Lord. All right, what, how do we close this? What's talk? your favorite planet? Uh, Pluto. Uranus. <laughs> On the Deshaun Watson thing. What? I, Dead I, joke. I find it interesting. That's I think it's relevant us. that on May the 2nd, we took these odds. It was nine and a half at William Hill. The only place that has it up. Browns up a full half game in seven days. Now 10 at William Hill. Wow. Which is backing your belief, RJ. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe it's something that's becoming more understood. But I think to Jimmy, oh, I th- oh, what I was going to ask McKenzie is with Jimmy G is – the, now, there was a report that came out that that a number of insiders of San Fran is saying Trey Lance has underwhelmed to such a degree there's major concern. Yeah, Michael Lombardi of Philadelphia fame somehow had the one insider scoop. Well, first off, Michael Lombardi is a friend of our show, so we're not going to be, like, saying his oh, name that, like not, there's not, a stink on not it. Not that Lombardi. I'm thinking Lombardo, Michael Lombardo. My, my apologies. Matt Lombardo, right? Jesus, no. dude. Get, M. Lombardo. Yeah, but get the name straight. But he's a correct Matt, me if I'm wrong. Indeed. Isn't he? Isn't the guy that wrote a beat writer for the 49ers? No, he's based in Philly. Matt Lombardo. Okay, and he said that. Uh, now this was discussed. Uh, now, now, um, uh, uh, who am I thinking of now? Um, boy, I listen to his show all the time. John Middlecoff is Middlecoff was saying that he's heard the same thing. He talked about that report. You know, remember he was the uh, Raiders post game guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he did radio for, um, you know, the San Fran's got a couple, two big stations. I don't remember which one he was on there. KNBR. Uh, was that it? Okay. So. Um, so are you saying you que- you question that reporting? Yes. I think they're taking different, uh, different reports from different times and kind of conflating them. Like Matt Lombardo, when he came on a San Francisco radio program, when was asked about this, he's like, yeah, I was so, talking so last training minute. camp. Wait, wait a minute. You- Matt's a friend. You want me to text him? Sure. I mean, I don't know what you would t- like. Are I mean, you being? Are is your reporting accurate? Yes or no? I think he's going to respond positively to that. But 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 hold on a second. How are you so aware of his appearance on a radio station? Because this was a big story in 49ers Nation. This was the story last week, and people dug so into it. Was this during work hours? You were researching this? No, of course not. Okay. And did what, did you present me with this story as something we should talk about? No. So you spent all this time to deep dive the story. But you didn't think we should talk about it because it's negative 49. I had a feeling you might ask me about it. It might come so, up. But that's not my job, is it? No. And I made a. Yeah. Your job is to present topics to me. Why didn't you present that topic? Even though it's obviously uh, compelling. I don't know. I have probably a bias on my part. 
You think so? Maybe? Unfortunately. I think he's gunshot. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> Mulatto right there, Vin Diesel. Go ahead. I think he's gun shy to bring up anything 49ers to you. Well, I, I think we should really dig in because I think we're seeing cognitive dissonance, you mm. know, again, in real life. Is it's like why you realize that the more we see this trade, and you know, Scott, we haven't discussed this. I want to get your thoughts. In hindsight, how crazily bad was that trade for Trey Lance? I mean, the idea of giving up to take go to number three and take to give up so much for Mm -hmm. such a project. Yeah, I mean, it's like when the Trey Lance trade. Is it something about Shanahan? It's funny. Um, on I don't know if McKenzie's going to start to like um, flame them on Twitter or something, but the guy who I like from PFF uh, that has the the real wonkish podcast. Um, oh, the uh, he's points. he goes solo. Points. Yeah, unexpected points guy. He um, Green maybe is last thing. Can you look that up real quick? Uh, he 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 had a thing which was talking about who are the five best front offices, who are the five worst front offices. And the 49ers were the worst front office. Really? Or one, I think one of the second or third worst. Um, And what's his name, McKenzie? Oh, Kevin Kevin Cole. Cole. Okay. So like, are you mad at Kevin Cole now? No. So in hindsight, what do you think of that trade? Trey Lance is younger than any quarterback that was drafted in this most recent draft. Okay. I think we got a lot. I think we got a great lottery ticket in Trey Lance. But you Lance. do realize you get four years at a discount. He doesn't get paid based upon his age. He gets paid based upon his service in the league. Yeah. So we have, yeah. we. So in a what way, about taking, all my other taking someone lot? extra young is kind of counter to the idea that you want to take advantage of the four years of him on the rookie deal. If he's too young to be good. Then what are you taking advantage of, Fed? What happened to all my other lottery tickets that I just traded away? You exactly. said you like lottery tickets. We just if, gave if them we away. Had the number twenty-five pick in the draft. What were we going to do this year? We're not going to take a Trey Lance this year. We it would. It wouldn't be in twenty-three next year. It, it wouldn't mean anything. Well, so you, you didn't like, even so know you, that'd be the case, though. That's all. We were Heinz. optimistic about our finishing position in the standings. You got lucky that the quarterback that sucked. So good. We got lucky that you got good. lucky that the quarterback well, no, sucked this year. Well, they didn't get lucky at all because they have a quarterback so bad he can't even get on the field. Mm. Like, how can that be lucky? Even if you just took him third in the draft, it'd be a disaster. The idea you the threw fact you've traded up first and rounders on top of it. I think that that is the point in point that you could have had the pick at three and and, and you look at. But, but now I think it's it's. It's, I, don't, I don't think that's crazy to say. It's still too early. It if is. Trey Lance starts next year and they're a playoff team, you look back on this draft and you're like, okay. Well, let's, they, zero, let's zero in. I'm saying, How good is Trey Lance? Because is he as good as Jimmy G? Obviously, right it, now, no. What I'm saying is let's say he was this yeah. year. Now, is that a victory? Because you have Jimmy G if for a second-round pick. Yeah. If but now you have three first-rounders to have yeah. another Jimmy G? Yeah, they made the playoffs without Trey Lance. So, like, yeah. if, if if just making the playoffs is the standard, then well, you I'm didn't need Trey it, Lance it, to do that. It, yeah, for, that's why we're it trying takes, to It takes three years to evaluate a draft. And, I agree and, with that. And we can't tell that this was a complete failure uh, for another year, I think. And if Trey Lance is the starter next year and he's successful as the starter next year, then it's not a failure. Then it's well, not a mistake. I, I, but here's the question. If success is the exact level of Jimmy G— is that a good trade at that point? I would say no. You had no. Jimmy G. Now, there's injury concerns with him, right? Always, it seems like. Here's my question. Matt Stafford, 
And I'm not a huge fan. I'm a, I'm a more, I guess I got against him last year, and I, I don't even know why the momentum just pushed me toward. I have no problem with Stafford. And the fact is he stepped up and won. So you, I, you don't like Matt Stafford because I did like Matt Stafford. And I, I had to look- you liked him for the wrong reasons. <laughs> it's true. And I was trying to protect the audience. So, but the, fa- but the fact of the matter is they gave up one less first-round pick for him. So it's like literally the idea that you could have Matt Stafford or for an extra first rounder, you can have this quarterback that's played one game in the last 23 months or whatever it is. You think Matt Stafford went up to the 49ers and said, match this deal? No, well, it's it's you don't know what the, other, what the other guys are offering. And it's it's a game. And they were in on the Matt well, Stafford well, well, are deal. You ta- and they didn't get it. Are you really talking to me as if you're like explaining something to me? That would be a mistake. No, I mean, yeah, you can present your perspective, but don't say, no, no, this is where you got it wrong. It's a game. What kind of game is it? The game means if your opponent, if the your division rival gets a trade at a certain level and you take a trade that's significantly worse, you've lost the game. So how is that somehow justification? If the Rams were able to get such a great deal, then why would the 49ers accept less than that? Right? Because they're locked into Trey Lance now. There's no other trades for any. They could have got Matt Ryan, maybe. Who knows? They tried to get and, uh, Aaron Rodgers after they had the number three pick. I think there was a lot of options, and they were trying to find a potential Hall of Fame quarterback. This was the route they chose to take. I, as a fan, as a follower, as a supporter, have no problem with it. Maybe I'm biased. Maybe I'm not. I think You I'm think much it's possible that you're year. not biased? That you think that's a possibility? That you're, you're looking at it with sober realism? I'm still not sure they traded that they they thought they were trading up to get Trey Lance. Oh, I, I think the odds are against it. Yeah. I mean, again, how often is Schefter wrong? Right. Yeah. This and, year, a couple times. What What was his other cases? Uh, Dalvin Cook. He misreported some facts. The Tom Brady retirement. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tom Brady retired. What he are you did. talking about? Yeah. I, 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 if I you, don't know. Hold on a second. If someone announces that someone's going to retire, and then yeah, a and they retire. And that's what we're calling him getting something wrong? Pretty good. Man, we got a bar pretty high for this yeah. guy. <laughs> I, I mean, but he didn't report that he was going to change his mind oh. and come back. And he didn't mention anything about being an analyst. Exactly. You Colleague of R.J. Bell. Right. you got to get those things right. And he wasn't sensitive about Haskins. So maybe we should blame Deleted him for tweet, that. tweet, yeah. I mean, it's so funny how this guy was like, he probably was looking so forward to the family reunions where he'd see cousin Kyle. And he was just, hey, hey, Kyle. And it's like, run up, smile, hug him, probably. Like, it, it, it really is uncomfortable. Like, I would never want to be that much of a sycophant of anyone. And it's sycophants. Yeah. Yeah, that's a new word. Yeah. Never used to that ever. <laughs> I'll, I'll look it up tonight. It, it, and, and I really like McKenzie. It's just weird. The guy went to Yale. It's like he's a smart mother effer, and he had great success. You come from the streets of Chicago, and you go to Yale and graduate. You've done pretty well. Sycophant means to obsequiously tor- uh, act towards someone in order to gain an advantage. I don't know if I'm gaining any advantage by just well, admiring my Well, we, 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 seems like there's a, 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 an advantage to be gained there, right? I hate that when the definition includes a word I don't know what it means. Obsequious. what? <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Webster. <laughs> Damn Webster. No wonder he was Siri, so look up obsequiously. <laughs> Jesus. That'd be like a never-ending loop. And the definition of obsequiously. Sycophant. This may be the rare podcast where Fez has the funniest line. 
Thanks for nothing, Webster. That was, that was good. Yeah. Then I was going to say something about no wonder you're a short black kid, but you know, <laughs> I want to leave Fez have his, his moment. I mean, oh my God, what, what's he do? He's looking up obsequiously. The funny thing, the funny thing is when Mackenzie's voice tightens up. Look up Serval, please. Serval. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the phonetic spelling on that. Uh, I know those words. I mean, plus, let's be honest, Mackenzie, when someone has fame, like, like you were telling me something about, uh, what was it? Your dad was, your dad graduate went to two Ivy League schools, right? Yeah. Okay, and it, one was one was like with the uh, like becoming a priest, not a priest. Yeah, at Divinity School. Yeah, yeah. And and your mom was the first something. What was it? Well, first girl in her uh, family to go to college, and first lawyer in our family. Yeah, but wasn't she one like one of only like five that went to law school? Yeah, at, this place? At, at U of I was when she went. She says it was nine to ten men versus women. Okay, I told him. I said, you know, whenever you have doubts about yourself, you don't mind me sharing this, do you? Go right in. I said, whenever you have doubts about yourself, think about your pedigree, right? In a weird way, if you got that great stock, you can say it's, it makes sense that I'm good enough for this because everyone has doubts, right? Now, it's weird. Maybe that's why I've had to be so confident because, you know, my dad's a coal miner. My mom's a school teacher and none of them, neither of them come off as like particularly brilliant. I mean, you know, my mom loved education. She got her master's. So that, you know, helped me with books probably or certainly. But it's like I have to believe in me. Like it's hard to look back and think of the brilliant, you know, like your mom, Fez, wrote a book uh, about what Harlem or something, right? And White girl in Harlem. Yeah. yeah. So it's like different people have these different, and like, AJ, I think you're more like me where you respect your parents, but they, there was no sense that you were going to, you know, they were going to produce, you know, a national radio. Both cohort. my parents worked in the oil field. So. Yeah. So well, if you don't mind me asking, what was your, what, your parents' situation? Mother's a bookkeeper, father, computer, tech, technical support for a uh, finance company. Okay, so like working class. Working class, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Now, do you ever feel like that? Do you ever look back and think like, oh, maybe there's a limit to what I can do because of that? No. Okay. Because I grew up in America. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> and you have a sense of, yeah. <laughs> I believe in America. Yeah. So to me, dude, if you're if you're connected to your cousin and your cousin is a brilliant mind, like you can't listen to sports talk radio without hearing cousin or Kyle Shanahan is a brilliant. In fact, we were just listening. I was just listening to something where they were talking about the difference. Who was saying? I think it was Middlecoff again saying inside the NFL, the sense is that uh, um LaFleur is a combination of the two. So you've got, oh, God, I'm having McVay. It. McVay. McVay is like the, the brilliant team culture builder, right? He obviously excels at building team culture and creating tranquility amongst the players, right? And, but Cal is known as the X's and O's guru. And they say LaFleur is a combination of both mm. in theory. I, that all sounds right to me. So if you're in sports radio or sports media and your first cousin, not some third cousin, your first cousin that shares, you know, all that blood that a first cousin, you're like, you couldn't marry cousin Cow even <laughs> in San Francisco. Or a sister Crystal. Exactly. Yes. I didn't even know about Crystal. But the fact is. How you, old is Crystal? <laughs> what do you got? Married. Oh, She's okay. married years okay. old. Okay. Got it. Got it. So, so. <laughs> 
Is that a real name or is that a stripper name? <laughs> Her name is Crystal Sachs. No way. That sounds like someone on like um, I gotta be honest with you. It sounds like someone like online. That's, that's the, the party she brings the party with her. It sounds Crystal like Crystal Sachs. It sounds like Jonas's game where it's like porn star or um, or wrestler. You know this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jonas Knox. Yeah, Jonas Knox on the show. He 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 says I'm gonna give you a name: Crystal Sachs, porn star or wrestler. Is that is that one time I was out or his morning show now? Well, that's his 3 a.m. show. Oh, he's when still, he, he does do that, does he? No, I don't think I don't no. think he does that with yeah, with Brady Quinn. Hours no. now, yeah. um, <laughs> what do you think, Lavar? <laughs> porn star or wrestler? <laughs> well, I could see it. It's morning radio. Uh, well, so anyway, know. to wrap all this up, McKenna, do you see how maybe being cousin Cal being exalted, maybe you've got a vested interest in that? I see that. Okay. And you know what? You should. But let me give you one little hint. If you're, if you, when you lie to yourself, you know it. So be honest. Look at, and you can take a dis- detached view and say, you know something. From what I know, with my one day working for an NFL team, in in the PR division, yeah. before it, being relegated, what I what I know for sure is you don't know what's happening from the outside. And it does look bad. It does look like it wasn't the best trade. But I have faith in my cousin. And you know what? Maybe he did make a mistake. Maybe it wasn't his decision. Who knows? But I'm going to support him the best I can. But you know what? He's a talent. I think long term he's going to do great. That's exactly how I feel. If McKenzie was still in the film room, we wouldn't have these questions. He'd know for a fact if Trey Lance has been underperforming. But you see what I'm saying? Like that way, you don't have to go against him. But don't if you lie, it just invalidates all your opinions. I see that. I'm so not, yeah. Let's try one more time. If you could go back in time, would you make that trade if it was your decision? I would. Yeah. I, so mean, maybe I, I want to get a lie detector test Yeah, here. I really would because I was Bring not it like, in. hey, we're going to win the Super Bowl he, let, let me, until that trade. Uh, and then I'm like, I love the next 10 years. I love the prospect. And it might not work out, in which case this comment that I'm making right now will sound ridiculous. I'll take my chances. If the Patriots tomorrow said, I will give you Mac Jones no. and two first-round picks. Oh, and- what? Wait, well, First well, of all, you'd, you'd have to take Mac Jones today for no— Heads up. Heads up. It's not even a debate. So I not have even. Ryan Tannehill for 10 years? No. How do you—first of all, do you really think that Bill Belichick is, to use your word, not relegating himself to maybe maybe making the division round when he's lucky? Do you think that's why he picked him? I think he has a <clears throat> B quarterback, a B-plus quarterback. That's what you right think. Away. What do you think Belichick thinks? I think he thinks he can win the Super Bowl. I think he has as okay, optimistic so, as ever. All right. So thus, do you think you know more than Belichick? So so does anyone that No, no one knows more no. than Belichick about football. But go ahead. I'll I'll answer your question before so you add. The other every other team in the league that didn't get Mac Jones when they obviously had the assets to do it. They're all making a mistake because Belichick Selected well, him and no one else did. Well, we're back to the idea on the fifth. First of all, he was the fifth quarterback. So the four court teams that took quarterbacks before him liked those quarterbacks more. Now, I think it was reasonable at the time, but what Mac Jones massively well, overachieved well, expectations. Sure. And, and the reason why I said Mac Jones is because the Niners wouldn't have had to trade up to get Mac well, Jones. Well, that's who it was reported. No, Mac Jones was reported as, well, no one knows that, but Mac Jones is who they were supposed to take at three by all accounts. Right. By all accounts, except for Kyle Shanahan's and John Lynch's. And, and we know, but how, imagine it's important. You can't ever expect, you can't blame someone for lying when the truth is unacceptable. Yes. Well said. Thank you, Steve. Don't be a sycophant. 
<laughs> Definitely gaining an advantage by that comment. <laughs> and how could they say, yeah, you're right. We waffled at the last minute, right? They can't. There was some split in the building. And by my, what I've heard, and you probably hear these things, how many guests you have, what I heard was Shanahan was pretty strong on Mac Jones. He has ultimate power if he wants to exert it. Others in the building felt strongly the other way. And eventually they got him to defer and say, you know, if you feel that strongly, let's do it. I believe the story that they told after the draft, which is we didn't tell our staff, our offensive coordinator, even our quarterbacks coach, we didn't tell anybody our decision, which way we were leaning. And we presented then, both then why options. Why would Schefter have options. reports of someone specific? Well, he, well, they said there, there was two quarterbacks that they were looking at when they didn't tell yeah, them. Yeah, but what Schefter the didn't was. report that the Mac Jones was one of the two. He reported, Schefter said, I have it on authority that they're taking Mac Jones. Yes, and I don't think he could have had that authority because I don't think. So you think Schefter's lying? Yes, I don't think. I mean, when they say I didn't tell anyone outside of me and John Lynch what what our, what we were leaning, not even what decision we made, what which way we were leaning, I don't think the one exception to that was Adam Schefter. I don't. Well, I, I don't think they necessarily told Adam Schefter. I think that someone who knew told Adam Schefter. And I'm saying no one but besides those two you, could have known. What? According it, to their if story. what they're saying is true yeah. when they're backtracking and covering their tracks. This was immediately after the draft. Exactly. You don't think they knew about this report? It was all we talked about it nonstop. Every talk radio show did. But we now have seen McKenzie's position. And though I gave him advice on how to handle it, he's hasn't adjusted, it would seem. Fez, what's your verdict? Well, on the trade, just rapid fire on the trade itself. I did a horrendous trade. I, I mean, I don't even know if Davis Mills or Trey Lance is going to be the better quarterback this year. I, you'd have to say Davis Mills, yeah, right? Yeah, I got him I, too close to call. Really? Yeah. Davis Mills only played like five or six games, and he played so much better than Trey Lance. Yes. So, but I, for a worse team. I do agree with Scott. I think if someone does well early, they almost always do well. RG3 was an exception in an injury, let's say. But if someone does poorly in year one, I think that's okay. If they do poorly in year two, it's a problem. The thing that's got people thinking otherwise is Josh Allen, who did poorly yeah. in year two, and then he did really well in it's year exception three. exception to the rule. PFF has done studies. Year two correlates to the ultimate success of a quarterback more than mm. anything else. So It's the biggest jump. If yeah. you can't reach a certain level at that point, you usually yes. don't reach it. Yes. Sam Darnold, we've been making excuses since year. Once you see, and, and listen, you got to give credit to like Arizona. Sometimes you see things, Josh, you know, cut, the, cut what they cut gonna, the cord. It's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. Right. We'll see. Last question, Mackenzie. Do you think it's a coincidence that Jimmy G is still there? No, I think he had a shoulder injury and no one wanted to trade for him. Because they think he's going to be like crippled? Like, what does he have to do with the shoulder? Does he, is he going to throw to show him how good he throws? Why, put in the Super Bowl, maybe. They don't know if he's, if he's going to be ready for training camp. They don't know if he can be a starter. I'm okay, but, like, they're asking at this point for what, like a third rounder or a fourth rounder? He, at minimum, he'd be a great backup, right? I'm not sure how much they've lowered their, their asking. At minimum, isn't it just good for the 49ers to not have to pay his salary this coming year? But remember, if you cut someone, you got to pay their salary. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, so you lower the trade offer and and just get that money Unless off the books. Unless you need them. Unless you need well, them. I mean, I, listen. Let's just say this: 
mostly a trade would have happened by now. I mean, like, there's not a lot of big trades between now. I mean, they're in OTAs right now. And especially now they have to – He's they've got to compete with the Browns and Baker. Yep. Yeah. Now, the Baker thing, it's the same thing. To some degree, Baker – I mean, there's – and this is something very few shows are talking about, and, and I think I got this right. I'm almost sure. Is if they trade Baker – the contract's completely off their hands. Now, in theory, they can commit to paying some of it, like they did with uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Carolina paid a big chunk of his salary when right. he went to Denver. But ideally, Cleveland would take, like, a swap of seventh rounders for for Baker mm-hmm. because at least it gets that money right. off their books, right? So the question – now, same thing with Jimmy G. Now, I think Jimmy G's worth more. Well, as far as time running out, it might not necessarily be the case because if you wait and let's say there's an injury either in preseason or at the beginning of the season, now you get more for a guy like Jimmy G because it's supply and demand. And if if a quarterback goes down in the preseason, they're going to be willing to pay a hefty price to get a guy that's serviceable, like more than serviceable, like Jimmy G. But how? when's the last time that ever was the case that, that there's a locker room problem I mean, Baker yeah. is a locker room problem. And Mackenzie's putting up something, headline here. When was this uh, reported? May 9th? Yeah, that was yesterday. Cleveland Browns' refusal to eat majority of Baker Mayfield contract. Shouldn't that be possession? Mayfield's contract. Reportedly prevented trade. So who, who was the team that wanted to take him, but they take some of the money? I, I love the Steelers to get him. Seattle? I, I think the question becomes, like, what team, Scott, is mm-hmm. good enough that if their quarterback went down, they could replace them with Baker Mayfield and still be a contender. I don't know that team exists. Well, that's that. Yeah, yeah. The Browns wrong. had one of the best non-quarterback rosters in the league last year, and they weren't good. Well, first they off, were good. Yeah. First off, Jimmy or um, Baker Mayfield was injured in a significant way. So and they played without Chubb a couple times. I mean, too. but to me, this goes to show you: if you think people are going to account for something. Like, oh, they'll remember I was hurt. They forget so fast. Your head he had two two injuries, and he was a shell of himself. And he had the he had the labrum. What was his other injury? Oh, I mean, he like, had a harness on. I yeah. mean, it was like the guy was pretty courageous. That little guy was courageous. There was in a, a pro way. wrestler that didn't wrestle with a labrum injury. <laughs> and and uh, here's what's fascinating: if you look at the second half of the year before, all right, you can say third year he started coming on. And remember, Baker's had more weather games. Than anyone. I mean, remember in his third year, three straight win tunnel three game. Three straight yeah. games that had like 14 points scored on each side. That's the one Chubb ran out of bounds on the one yard line. Mm. So, so to me, I would make the case if you just look at EPA or, you know, QBR even, if you look at the set, McKenzie, you can pull this up. Uh, I know it might take a minute. Who was that team, by the way? Oh, Carolina Panthers. Oh, yeah. Boy, that's right. They make sure – this is funny, though. They make sure to um, exercise the fifth-year option Sam Darnold. on Sam Darnold, but they don't want to pay the fifth-year option effectively at Baker and Mayfield. And everyone knows Baker Mayfield's better than Sam oh Darnold. Oh, my gosh. Maybe even, I think even Colin might know that. Well, that's interesting because he loves one and hates yeah. the other. <laughs> He'd be the interesting only one. one. Um Anyway, McKenzie, do me a favor. Look up uh, Baker Mayfield. Obviously, we're going to do an arbitrary start point. Find where he was hot in the middle of the year. Give me the last eight, nine games, and just give me a QBR average. You don't have to wait it. All right, cool. 
And uh, I mean, I would make the case you could spin this tale that, that after the weather games, his third year, he played and by just EPA or something, he was about the second or third best quarterback in the NFL for like 10 games to end mm. his third year. And remember, they beat the Steelers in the playoffs, had a playoff win under his belt and played a hell of a game against Kansas City. I mean, that was a tough game. Then they go on the road to Kansas City early this year before he got hurt, and he played good in that game. I would make the case Baker's problem is his attitude a lot more than his ability on – Or his ability to stay healthy. Both. They they said he lost the locker room with the Odell Beckham thing. Has he been injured other than this year, though? I mean, I, you get injured once, it's hard, to, I mean, and, we, and you play through it. Well, remember, we talked about this year. Like, would would he be better serving the team if he said, I'm not playing, it's Case not, Keenum plays? He, I know this. He'd be better serving himself, and it's the team's decision. A player is supposed to want to play. He's not supposed to say, I don't think I'm good enough. The team's supposed to make that assessment. So if he was underperforming because of his injuries, it's the team's fault. The thing is, the fact he's being effed over it, that to me For being a warrior, wrong. I agree with mm. you. So what do we got? How's he being effed? Huh? How's he being effed? Because he's over? getting downgraded by everyone for for poor performance when he was playing, you know, completely compromised. He's like a pariah now. But I think the reason why he's a pariah is because of the locker room stuff, like you just said. But lose? The, did he lose the locker room during the year, or did he the, lose the locker room after the crap he pulled with with um with Deshaun Watson and all going on podcasts and writing goodbye letters. From what I understood, from what I understood, there were people in Cleveland who thought that the Browns should have chosen Odell Beckham over Baker Mayfield. But think about what you just said. What you said is as useful as if I found a piece of paper written out there. Because what you said was, I hear there's people. I mean, I can't say for a fact I'm not in the locker room. Neither are you. That's why I'm not saying anything about the locker room. I didn't say anything about it. I'm saying okay. we can't prove it. And, I, I mean, what I'm saying is who th- – like, where's even that report? Like, I, I, I read that report. I, and he I mean, said what? There's some people that think – That there were Browns players who thought that Odell Beckham was in the right on so, that. So if it was three out of the 50, that would be true. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, you understand. I mean, listen, you've been in the media long enough. Well, that guy that wrote that article wanted it to be spread around, sure. right? So he's going to skew it in a way that's true, hopefully, but it's not necessarily indicative of what the implication really is. I got no sense that Baker, and you tell me, you guys all read all the media and stuff. Did Baker, I would say even middle of this year, let's say before the injury, entering this year, let's say, was there any sense that Baker's uh, – there was a question, is he going to get the $40 million contract? That was a question. But was there any question he was unliked by the locker no, room? No, not at all. Scott, you remember any of that? That he wasn't liked in the locker yeah. room? No. I mean, now I'm, I agree with you, AJ. I, I think, think he's not liked in the public. Because he did story. too many commercials, yeah. right? Yeah. So, Mackenzie, what do we got here uh, stats-wise? So, the last eight games, including the playoffs of the 2020 regular season, so not this past one. The, so, are you, the one remember, he didn't play that Steelers uh, last game of the season. Okay, well, then he had um, a 75. So, leave, out, leave the playoff out. 75, okay. Leave the playoffs out in the last game of the regular season. So, last four games, last four games he played in the regular season, he had a 75 average QBR. Okay, and and the but let me see twenty four and the what's the one before that thirty nine? Yeah. Uh, can you make that bigger, please? Like, why do you have it up if I can't read it? Okay. All right. 
So he had a 97 against Cincinnati, 39, 39. So 88. All right, so let's start. Do me a favor. Start with the 88. Yeah, just go. Give me the whole thing. All the way down to the, uh, the, the next to last, you know, not the last game of the regular season. Oh, that, okay, I'm sorry. Let me see. So we're, do me a favor. Keep scrolling down. We're going to edit this. Edit, edit, edit. Mackenzie, can I see the, like, the first game or the second game? Like, can I see some of the games, please? Okay, 98, 73. All right, yeah. So do from 98. So that'd be week uh, two. And I guess you got that middle that's a problem. Go all the way, and then what is it, 98 against the Giants? Keep scrolling. Go past that. Uh, 92 against Pitt. But that... Okay, that was the playoffs was the 92? Yeah. In 81, he didn't play. Okay, in 64, hmm. Okay. You know something? Skip the Jets, too, and end at the 98. Let's see what that one says. How many games is that? That's 13 games, 68 QBR. And where would that, where would that fit on last year's? 2020 NFL QBR. Not this most recent year, but the year that it was actually in? Mm-hmm. Check. It would be the sixth best quarterback. All right, let's do it. Three, two, one. So looking at these numbers, and to some degree it's cherry picking, but it's it's starting with the second game of the year, right? And going to what the sixteenth? Yeah, week fif- week fifteen. Okay, so that's a big chunk of the season, right? And by the way, he did really well. I mean, if you add in the playoffs. You know something? Just by hand, throw those playoffs in there. Because if anything, those two playoffs are going to um, be a higher number, right? Yeah. So so now we're looking at 15 games, 69 QBR. That would rank in the 2020 season fifth best in the league. So literally we're tossing out the first game, and that's arbitrary, no doubt. But other than that, he's got the fifth best QBR in the NFL. So he's clearly clicking to the top ten. There's no question. If he's if he's clicking, I agree. Now yeah. now AJ brings up a good point. How injured is he? Right? Is he going to be injured every year? And we're going to have to hear you know excuses. Maybe. I have the report that Jake Trotter had about the Odell Beckham so Baker Mayfield say? thing. He said Beckham was reportedly very well liked in the clubhouse. His release didn't sit right with most of the players on the team. After Beckham's father ripped Mayfield publicly and speculation grew about Beckham being on his way out, multiple players lobbied for Cleveland to keep OBJ on the team. Uh, at one, as one source ported, the way Beckham exited Cleveland, quote, poisoned the well for Mayfield with some teammates. Okay, but really, if you think about it, other than that last quote saying poison the well, which implies it caused future problems, at no point did they say they should choose Beckham over Baker. It was Beckham shouldn't leave. Yes, that's a big difference. And, and it's when asked about the video posted by Beckham's father, one teammate told Trotter, why would I watch the video? I see it every day in practice. Okay. So meaning what? That, 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 ba- that Baker's not throwing the ball to, to OBJ. Okay. So, the, I mean, if it's OBJ versus Baker, are we sure that we want to act like that's some battle that Baker's got to shriek away from? Oh. Right? I mean, I'm just saying OBJ's not like – Famous for like being that's the way football needs to be played. Right? No, OBJ is a famously good teammate, though. I've never heard any teammates complain about OBJ. Like he's like apparently very good to young receivers. So, like he, very, so he was. So you would say the way he acted in Cleveland was a good teammate. I would say most of his teammates thought his think dad, that he's his a, dad, good, a good his teammate. His dad must have got real good at video 
editing. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it seems like he had a – and listen, he won a Super Bowl over it. Give him credit. I mean, I guess if you're Machiavellian, but it doesn't seem like he was all team first. And, if he, was, and if he was so team first and popular, why does the media – did the media seem to go out of its way to show all of his shenanigans and antics, you know, and really emphasize them? Well, I think it, the media generally likes to do that with black players, especially yeah. players that are bold, right? They, Loud black player versus – well, it's not versus anyone. It's like OBJ. It was versus, though. It was versus Baker. Well, in this one case, but I think the question of OBJ's press treatment extends before that. Okay. Yeah, getting caught and kicking nets and, and the like. Going it's, on the boats. Crying. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe he grew up, too. I, we, we always got to allow these athletes to grow up. They're kids. When they're 25, they're kids. Right. And we because they're on TV, it doesn't feel like that. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was 25, I didn't like every decision. I don't like every decision I make now, <laughs> but I certainly didn't like it then. Um, one other thing on that. I think everyone agrees what was put on social media was uh, deceiving. Like like the stuff that they said, oh, he's not throwing to him, he's not throwing to him. It was like they would take a frame and it was like, by all accounts, it was like you can't expect the quarterback to know that frame. You know, it was like they said it was deceiving. Wouldn't we all agree that was the consensus opinion of that? Yeah. So if someone's saying, I see it every day, they're saying, I'm seeing something that's deceiving in practice every day, which is kind of like illogical. Like, I don't even understand how that statement made the article. Like, it's not your fault. It's, it's, you know, in this case, I guess it'd be Trotters. But, like, how if, if I have a picture that's Photoshopped that has McKenzie with some big-breasted woman, with it, but he's got, you know, let's say he's married. He's not married, but let's say he's married. He's got his arm around some, uh, uh, what do you call it, stripper maybe. If I say, you see that picture of McKenzie? I'd be like, I didn't need to see it. I see his womanizing every day. Well, it's like that picture's actually Photoshopped. Oh, well. Um, like what? Are, I don't get it. Right. I guess you could say I see him not thrown to OBJ every day. And if the proof of it is deceiving, it doesn't change that it. It's still true. Right. It's not like, where's uh, the, but where's the true proof? Yeah. Right. I mean, like you, it seems like someone, here's my question of all the tape grinders there are now on Twitter, right? There's a lot of those, all 24 guys. Don't you think someone would have put together some legitimate examples of Baker not throwing to him and it would have really went viral? Probably. And, I mean, that never happened, did it? No. So I don't know. Listen, I don't like Baker May. I mean, he seems like a a typical millennial to me, but it does feel like he's gotten a bum deal here. But I'd still rather have him and Trey Lance. (laughs) You think? All right. That's funny you say that. I figured you'd take the, the unscratched lottery ticket. But I think would you rather have him than Trey Lance? We've, we've or already Lance, scratched some or Trey of it Lance off. with the trade. You know what it's like. You ever play video poker? No. Okay. If you get a seven, a three, and a ten, it doesn't sound like a good hand. But you can still get trips. <laughs> yeah, just read. <laughs> Trey yeah. Lance is a seven, five three, new ones. And 10. But he's not a seven, three, and ten because seven is a touchdown. And three is a field goal. Yeah, he's a two five eight. Yeah, he's a <laughs> safety. He's a two. He's a, he's a two for the other team. Yeah. A five and an eight. And now you have it. There is a chance that you can get trips. Okay. And that's what McKenzie's holding on to for dear life. One and one straight up in ATS as a starter. Only we're going up from here, baby. Would you say one and one? Yeah. 
I lost the first game. What was the second game? <laughs> covered in one against the Texans. He should have covered against the Cardinals. There was a touchdown at the end. Oh, the he, reason he they didn't cover the is because it's because the whole team covered but him. Yeah. He's the reason. <laughs> Ten to like, seventeen loss. Didn't he run the? He got stopped the goal line. Yeah, he scored that. Come on, anyone. But that the saw first that play, game was against the Rams, wasn't it? It was against the Cardinals. Yeah, and they were like plus six, and I lost. Lost. It, they, yep, they lost by seven. They lost by seven. Yeah, and he got stopped. The Thanks goal for line. bringing yeah. that up. Yeah, <laughs> I think we would have won the Super Contest if it wasn't for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Faz, keep going. All right, let's not go to Denver weeks one and two. The one time you don't want to go is come out of preseason. You don't have much. You're not in game shape, and that's the time that Denver's altitude gives them the biggest advantage. All right, so how many points would you say that's two points? Yeah, one and three quarters, maybe. <laughs> a little less than two, maybe. Okay, so 33 points equals a full win. 35, so 35 equals thir- a full win. Yep. And 17, so 17 and a half would be half a win? Yes. Okay, so if you can find a way to find a plus or minus 17 points, let's say throughout the season because of a schedule, you'd say you downgrade them a half a win or upgrade them a half a yes. win? Yes. So usually we're going to be talking more of a third of a win, a quarter of a win. Right, but remember, all we need is a tenth of a win to pay the VIG on a season win bet. So you're saying if the odds are correct currently, you have something worth a tenth of a win. So you're saying three and a half points? Yes. That now makes it so you're getting a no VIG bet. Yes. All right, so another way to think about it would be, let's say say the VIG is 20 cents, right? Mm -hmm. The straddle. It would take how many points to get to 20 cents? So it's a 50, uh, it's 100 cents is a full win. So 20, it'd be seven points it covers the VIG. Right? Seven points would make you the bookie. You'd be, yeah, yeah, yeah you'd, you'd have be, the edge. You'd be taking the 20 cents shadow yeah, away. Right, right. Oh, so you're saying more 10 more, cents more. gets ten, you the 10 cents gets you the even. And remember, there's a bias. We spoke about this, how the the average should be like 8.4 for the season wins, but typically it's 8.6. But we're, now we're confusing the right. matter. Okay, right. fair enough. Right, right. Uh, so Forget just, that point. Yeah, I mean, it's a key point, and do it at the end. But zeroing on what you're saying is you get three and a half points that you've now taken away the VIG. You've gained uh, yeah. 10 cents. Yes. And now you're betting a no VIG. And you may, so if you got a good bet, you got a good, real good bet. Exactly. Okay. Continue. Rest. You want more, it's obvious, you want more rest days than your opponents. So, so it's relative to opponents because everyone's going to pretty much have the same rest days in the end, right? Yes. But you could well have to, and this goes back to the buys, you might have to play a team, three teams off of buys, or you might get none of the teams off of the buys. So, by the way, everyone, jump in if you have any questions, like anything that doesn't sound right or any clarifications, or you want to expound on it, jump in. So, but real quick, if everyone's, other than the first Thursday game, let's forget that for a second. Everyone starts on Sunday, they end on Sunday. They're playing 17 games in between. Mm-hmm. They're all going to have the same amount of rest days. Yes. So are you looking, is it relative to the opponent? Is that yes. the key? Yes. All right. All right. And so thus, is that, do you look at buys especially? That's my next point, especially right. so. And McKenzie did some great research with this. I don't have the updated numbers, but I know the worst scenario is you play a team when you're home you don't want a team coming off a bye, then coming and playing at your crib. Those teams have done very well. So historically, and Mackenzie, correct me if I'm wrong upon recollection, it's about 54% row teams off a bye where at home, it's this is ATS now, at home it's 50-50. Yes. So the theory is if you got a road team, this is why I always thought the first Thursday road team had an advantage. It's not a typical Thursday game. Because there's no short week. Yes. I've often thought that, but it does. It's funny. It doesn't show at all as I've looked at it. 
Well, but, because also it's usually the defending Super Bowl champ that's the home. And, and, you know, well, it's, 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 yeah, the theory is you would have had to play yeah, them anyway, right? I, I agree with you. And then, but historically, that defending Super Bowl champion has kicked butt on that first Thursday yeah, so game. Maybe, maybe the rest advantage of not having to play a Thursday game on a short week is mitigated by playing a extra motivated home team. Yeah. That reminds me of one of my favorite Mike Tomlin lines. After they won the Super Bowl in 08, they had that Thursday game in 09. And before the game, he goes, we respect what that Steeler team did. And he talked the whole time about that team being a different team. Yeah. And it was really a powerful con. Like, we're not that team. That team won the Super Bowl. It's got the trophy. We're a different team. It's great. It was good. He's a great coach. Thursday night games, you want to be home. You get a double advantage. One, you get um, a little bit of an unfair advantage because of the short week. So most teams are playing one Thursday game. Yes. So so if you're home on Thursday, you get an advantage and you get a further advantage because then you get, obviously, the next week you have 10 days off. Now, they flip that year to year, I think, every year, right, where you don't play on the road two straight years. Believe that's the case. Yes. Okay. Not a hundred percent certain. It's now, definitely terrible for the road teams Thursday nights. We it's, it's especially if there's longer travel. Mm-hmm. Now let me ask you this: Sometimes they play Thursday to Thursday. Like they'll have the Cowboys play the Thursday before Thanksgiving, and then on Thanksgiving that mitigates it too, right? Well, I guess it would be depends on their opponents again. Well, it also depends if they had to buy the week. Okay, because in theory, they'd still be on the short week the first Thursday. Yes. So how do how does I mean it's it's fun to say this stuff, but how does someone systemically go through the schedule and account for this? Well, stuff? the easiest way is to, like we said, look at look at how many more days off you have than your opponent, or vice versa. All right. So anytime there's a difference in rest, yeah. You go through and give it a plus or minus. Yes, you can actually add up the days. Now, the one thing I would well, say, adding up the days, that, that's different. The problem is the buy. The, same number. the problem is, well, no, it's not the same because of, because if you're playing teams off of buys, your your opponents are going to massive extra days of rest. If you're playing opponents off, if of if you've buys, got three opponents who would buy well, us, the, the I guess week the league wide, it's going to be the same. But you're right. saying again, but I don't. I, it seems to me that. That's interesting. Let's say you had three games that you had more rest and three games you had less rest. So it's going to come out to even. Let's say if it was one game each direction. And the other team had the exact same rest the whole time. Is that the same? Yes. Hmm. But the one thing about these buys is like if I'm playing, if Scott had the week off and he's got 14 days to prep and I got seven. He really doesn't have seven extra days mm-hmm. of advantage. That's why I like, think you got to. I think you got to chop it. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that that's a good point. That like each week you can say, I think it's especially detrimental when you have less than a week to prepare. So what we got to do is we got to do ticks, and mm. you got to put a point value on the ticks. I agree. And we got to go through and say what is something worth. Like at one, if someone's off a Monday night game, I'm off a Sunday game, and we play on Sunday, that isn't worth a half a point. Right, Monday night from the opponent's not worth half a point, is it? I think it's worth half a point. History sure doesn't think mm. it is. I well, that's against the spread. That might already be accounted for in the number. We're not sure about that, right? Yeah. Well, we could look at the. Str- yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm going to try to do. We won't have it this pod, but I'm going to try to go through and quantify what these are worth. Me and you can bring. You know, we can circulate sure. it. All right. Continue. Uh, weather. Um, oh. Late in the year, you want to the the Florida. Uh, Texas, California, Arizona teams, you don't want to be going to the northern climates in December out in the elements. Okay, now what about if it's like 65 
in Jacksonville in September. There's a northern team melt down there. I've got I've got that also. North, northern teams you want to avoid Miami, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville in September extreme heat. Yes. Extreme heat. Or if you're yes. the New England Patriots late in the year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a good point. That yeah. Obviously, I say September, yeah. but this is really – it, dep- it depends what the temperature is now, on that day. I think that there is – and I've talked about this with New England struggles going down to Miami at the end of the seasons because they've always lost and down in Miami. And there's something to the cold-weather teams exiting the cold and going to a warm-weather place at the end of the year. When the temperature is cold, we're talking about January. I think, January. I think, and I think part of that is the nightclub like yes. celebration I think aspect. There's, there's an aspect of it's a vacation type feel and, and that you're going uh, down there, and you just got out of 30 degree weather and snow potential up in New England or in Buffalo or whatever, and now you're in Miami. You got it. And yes, circled. there's a game to focus on, but you know what? Like, I'm also laying by the pool a little bit today after practice, and I'm just. It's just mentally mm-hmm. you're not in the same mindset as you were preparing all week at your training facility in New England for a game Is that at because it's Miami or is it because of no, the weather? I think it's the weather. I think there's something psychologically that occurs in you when you exit a cold weather yeah, and go to a cold weather and you're just like – but RJ's point's good. South Beach, it, South Beach is a lot different than going to Jacksonville. Sure, but I, think if you go, but I think if you go to Arizona, I think if you go to Texas, if you go anywhere where it's hot – and you're at, and you exit that cold okay. that you're used to, and the girls are hot. That too, but Houston. I, I, it's not so much like I'm going out and I'm partying. It's just mentally and physically, your body just changes. Your body is you're just not. You're not feeling like you want to grind. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's like. It's you, like first day of spring you, in high school. You almost feel like, and I, I, I keep saying vacation. It's, it's a vacation type feel because your body's just out of this. Your system's shocked. It's the same thing as, like, your clock being messed up when you go from time zones. I just think that there's a, a weather shock that when you exit the snow and cold and you get to 80 degree and humid temperature. Yeah, so McKenzie's got the exact numbers, though. This is something that's pretty famous is last nine games in Miami. Patriots lost. For the Patriots, two and seven straight up, yeah. two and seven against the spread. Yeah. They always do bad down there. Yeah. yeah. And then they're all – look at the time. Look at the date of those games. And the Patriots are – December, are ch- January, January, December, I wonder December. why it's always late. And they're chock full of 55% against the spread, 57% against the spread years. So the two and seven is even more impressive. Colts no. and Jags have that same issue, the extreme heat for the Colts. But that's not always at the end of the year, no. right? Oh, that was a joke? I was being sarcastic. Because they play indoors. Well, the Colts play indoors. Yeah. But the game's in Jacksonville when there's the trend. Yeah. So why does them playing indoors matter? I mean, it, it doesn't. But, I mean, it, it's... Well, a, it could be the Colts exiting the cold of Indy and going to play It's in another team that, that goes, to the, goes to Florida every year and loses. So do we believe that the cold being... Uh, it being late enough in the year for it to be cold up north is key to this. Like yes. if, if they play yeah. in September, like, well, look at those games. So, it, but you could make the case in September it's hotter down there, so the actual think, temperature yes. has more to do with it. In December, it's getting out of the cold yes. and the psychology, maybe. So we want to look to actively fade the northern teams, or at least attribute a, a negative. Attribute a negative when they're going to really nice weather in December because not so much of the hot temperature on the field, but because of the distraction for the players, and they're looking ahead to that trip three weeks, four weeks before saying, oh, I've got that Miami trip or, you know, coming up. So the looking ahead causes what, them to do poorly in prior games? No, they're, 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 they're viewing it as a mini vacation. Okay. They're multitasking. If I recall, Green Bay 
had a trip to L.A. recently where they laid a couple eggs. Like two years in a row, they went to L.A. and laid an egg. Cal- several times in California. So, so I yeah. think in general that speaks to the idea there are certain cities that cause distra- the, the, uh, distraction. And I think how focused the team is if a team's losing – in general, it's like the distraction factor maybe needs to be bigger in our handicap. It's not for me, you know. I still remember one of my favorite systems ever was the Cincinnati Bearcats under with Bob Huggins. We're talking early 90s mm-hmm. here. They would play a 1 o'clock game on Sunday every week at mm-hmm. home, and it was a disaster for them. They were usually laying 15. They'd win by two because mm-hmm. those boys partied. It was Kenyon Martin. And those, they were mm-hmm. partying down there. <laughs> I don't know about anyone in particular, mm-hmm. but and they would come in a, a little worse for wear on that Sunday early start. Um, you, you know baseball pretty well. I was just hearing someone talk about the getaway, the team that plays on Sunday night. Then so, yeah, it, Sunday night teams, their next game, I think it's three and eight now. Okay, um, and and the theory Dodgers is it doesn't matter yesterday. if you're home. It doesn't matter if you're home or road. Well, Dodgers and Cubs both lost yesterday, so okay, um, but they both I, played Sunday night. Teams almost always have to travel, whether they're home or away. After the Sunday night game, yeah. Because why got, wouldn't there be a homestand? Because the homestand ends on Sunday. Oh, so you often uh, not always, but often. Okay, yeah. all right, that's interesting. Um, I think there's a lot of little things like that that we just like schedule quirks that we don't really yeah, understand. Sure. Look, it happened um, yesterday was the the prime example. The uh, Orioles and Royals and Yankees and Rangers both played a double header on Sunday mm-hmm. and then played day games on Monday. So I think under in that. Both games went under. Six yeah. to one in the first game, and all six runs for the Orioles were scored in the bottom of the fifth inning. So no other runs the rest of the game. Mm. And Yankees won nothing over the Rangers. It takes tenacity to bat. Like if you're fouling balls off, if your head's not in it, you Especially swing away. Especially coming along. after a doubleheader where it's just the, you're. First of all, baseball players are creatures of habit, right? Everything's routine, routine, routine. When it's a doubleheader, naturally your routine is thrown off, mm-hmm. and and then dealing with that. And your body and the fatigue of coming back and then having to play a day game the next day is just not conducive to success. These guys are gassed. And, and do you think totals are the way to go or fading that team? No, I think totals are the way to go. And, well, those situations, they played each other. So mm-hmm. there was no really fade of either team there. So I remember hearing now, I think about it, the Yankees had a couple rainouts before this, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I was interested in the idea if you have rainout, rainout. Then another game, it feels like there's a mini vacation. It feels like maybe the timing gets yeah, off. Perhaps. It seems like it hurts a team if they've missed the, they miss a couple mm. of games. Too. So the first game sense. of the doubleheader, it was two to one. Yeah, but there, a lot of teams are going under. I guess recently not as much, right? So. Yeah, and the same and the Mets game one of the doubleheader because they were in a similar situation where they had multiple rainouts. It was three to two. So both the first games went under. That little update I just got was the Dodgers won big over the Pirates. Am I, did, I hear, one and a half. did I hear this right? That the Dodgers haven't, every win they've had has been by more than one run. Every single Dodgers win has covered the one and a half run line, yes. Jeez. So the square, do you hate that, Fed? you hate the squares that are betting the run line? No, because all the data says that if you blindly bet, this is from Mike um, in Napa, if you laid minus 180 the last five years, you're like up like 50 units blindly in baseball. All the books are wrong saying, Never, you know, you always look for the big dogs. The big dogs have gotten crushed. 
But it seems that we're, we're well, scoring down. On the road. And this first, is a good point. Espe- that maybe this yeah. is all going to change, like you mentioned, because the scoring average was like a little bit above nine, and now the average totals are like seven point eight this year. But it's also, especially on the road, heavy road favorites um, are covering at an. Uh, let's see, uh, large favorites since two thousand and ten. Large favorites minus two hundred and up on the road, right? Uh, Four sixty one and one fifty six. That's seventy four point seven percent. But what's the? I mean, what's the ROI? Again, um, it's. I'm just saying. But if you just take them on the run line, where you have certain spots, because I don't back home teams on. But the it run does. Line. It does either way. You're going to win because yeah. it's very rare. You're, you're, you're never. I hate to say never, but you're never going to see a minus three hundred road favorite, and basically they're covering seventy five percent of the yeah. time. But now. Obviously, on the road, you got one less at bat to extend. No, you got one oh, extra at bat well, on the road. So if you're the road, the oh, road you're, getting, you're playing the ninth, the ninth anyway. Inning. Okay. So if anything, the run line. You only bet run lines on the road team. Well, the, I'm assuming the, the, it's the, adjusted. It's six. It's a 55 cent adjustment versus a hundred cent adjustment. You can't. You can't bet a run line on a home team. You can't lay a run and a half on a home team. Do you I know. That? It's just. It's. It's just not. A, it's not a smart play because. So that means you're not guaranteed the bottom of the line. I, I, and if it's a tie game, they only got to win by one. I, I don't. I don't think it matters. I think the the, the adjust- just to understand. Mm-hmm. I think all things equal, you're right. There's a huge edge yeah. on, on the road. But if the market's accounting for that, you know, percentage chance yeah. of having one less at bat, then in theory, it's going to be an even type potential bat. But right? yeah, exactly. By example, like the, the, um, I believe the Dodgers were like minus two fifty today, and the run line. Extreme it was minus one half, minus one fifty. Okay, yeah. but if they had been home, it would have been like minus one half, lay a dollar fifteen only. Okay, so you're saying it's a hundred cents if it's a home team or uh, home team adjustment, and sixty cents if it's the road team. Yes, but in the example I just gave you, it's bigger because the Dodgers were such a massive favorite. Mm. And the reason for that is we're talking about percentage chance of winning. That's right. Okay. For also just backing a home team on the run line, I hate it because. Tie game situation, it's just a one-run walk-off, and you get the win by one run. I would rather back the home favorite if it's a heavy favorite in the first five innings. But in a way, that, psycho- that psychology the is the inning. reason to bet it, though. The fact that you hate it is why it's probably offering value. Like mm. To me, that's why minus three and a half is usually, or plus two and a half is such a good bet. But I wouldn't yes. want to take away the last at bat. Like, no, you know, but yeah. we're back to the idea, is yeah. it being a, like, like if we said, let's say there was a cert, let's say we said, let's play craps, but if I roll an 11, I don't win, I lose. That sounds horrible, right? But if we adjusted the odds enough that we overcompensated for, I'd rather so that. Singles your roulette against doubles your yep. roulette. To, to what Scott is saying. So assume you laid the run line, you laid one and a half, okay? Uh-huh. And the score at the end of five innings, you're ahead three to two. Are you happy or unhappy? You got the home team on the run line. I got the home team on the run line for the whole game. They're up three to two after five innings. You happy, I, unhappy, or neutral? My, I know by you asking, I shouldn't be happy, but my gut feeling is I've exceeded expectations to now. But maybe that's the trap. Well, a lot of people would say they're unhappy because they only got three more kicks at the can. They only get to bat three more times, and they've already batted five. So you're halfway through the game, you're already winning, but you're a little more than halfway. You're, I'm you're, not sure. I'm not sure either, but one thing's for sure. If you played the first five innings, you're already are at the window because you're laying a half in, in most games. You're a winner. Yeah, okay, so the run line's minus a half. The, the half, okay, okay. With a heavy home favorite, I lean towards taking minus a half in the, fir- in the first five as opposed to minus one and a half of the full game. Because you're getting your at-bat regardless. And I, agree. I, and I agree with that. It sure seems like the first five mm-hmm. minus a half is the better 
Here's Plus, what, you're a heavy favorite because of the starting pitching anyway. Like often, often not always. The, often these lines are like it's it's yes, bullpens are baked into some of the uh, spreads, but majority of the time it's the starting pitching. So you're getting that starting pitching matchup in the and, first and this five fielding indifference, RJ, is it has become prevalent. Where if I'm up five three in the top of the ninth, it didn't used to be this way. You get a guy on first. He always takes second now. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care. Defensive indifference. Let him take the bit. Let him take the base. That used base to be unusual, and now it's like right. it's commonplace. In so the night. it's tightening up the games, is what you're saying. Yeah, you have a little lead. Okay, so let me think. I got one last question on this uh, baseball run line. Well, Mackenzie, what do you got up here? So since 2012, just following. Scott's um, trend here, I just looked up the numbers, plus 100 units if you just bet road teams that are minus 180 or more since 2012, plus 100 units, winning 72% of the time. So you all, the only criteria here is, is, so the season is 2012 onward? Yes. Okay. That's weird how you go greater than 2011. Okay. So you see how that lends yourself to mistakes, don't you? Like you don't have the actual date up that it actually applies to. Right. Just cutting corners and always making mistakes. I'm going to try to work. We'll on just that. say greater than equal to and then 12. Okay. So 2012 and the line is, is, is 179. Now, why would it be 179? Because he said 180. So the quickest way for me to type out 180 oh, is greater yeah. than 179. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So instead of, okay, you did the same thing again then. Okay. So really what you're saying is effectively 2012, 180 or higher. Yes. What he just said. But, but, you ha- but what he has yeah. written down is 2011 and 179. He needs an interpreter. Yeah, I mean, that's why in the moment there's a lot of But mistakes. this is shocking. This is the yeah. square ball Yankees, Dodgers, you know, um, Cardinals, you know, re- the really good so teams this has nothing to road. do with the run line? No. And they have the run line up but here, now, plus 52 again, units. again, uh, yes, again. So, now, so wait, 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 wait. One, real, 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 yeah. real, real yeah, quick. So what what do I problem. win with the money line? What do I win and, with the run line, McKenzie? Which do I do better with? Um, Actually, looking here, I'm— this run line says 528 units. Am I reading that right? Yeah. Wow. So apparently the run line has been even better. 100 mm. units versus 500 units? Yeah, because every wow. time they lose, you're dropping minus 180. You're dropping 180. But hold on. So there's 800 games. You can't be up 500 units in 800 games. Yeah, Sometimes you do get plus money on the run lines. No, not like not that. If it's a, not if it's a heavy favorite, no. All right. So we'll take a look at this. I'm going to dig into this. The thing that blows my you mind. You get plus money on run lines if it's like a minus 150 favorite. So what blows my mind is this lends itself to uh, parlays to get to even money. Like this is like the cousin Sal, hey, bet Canelo, bet, you know, a couple of lines, 300 favors, and get it to plus 110, right? right? Yeah. In baseball, if you said, hey, pick a couple of really big, you can't imagine them losing favorites, and you get it to even money, you're going to get that like crazy. Our our own good fella has tremendous record in his baseball playing the parlays like this with the Yankees and the Dodgers, but I can't Dave believe Esler the market. Well. Allow, I can't believe the market allow. So you talk about people's wins and losses. That's nice, <laughs> but I I can't, I can't believe that that the market would allow this to stay profitable because it, it's like whatever the squares do usually has a premium on. I it. think it's because when you go back and read all the literature and all the books, they say no the values with the dog. No, Steve, that that I don't want to say the word stupid. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You think most people bet based upon Mike Lee's books from the 80s? You know, maybe I'm I'm, I'm an old fossil when I say uh, but, that. But, yeah, but because, you, so, because they all say, but, don't don't lay more than you, 160. you realize how few... 
you realize it's almost like I can't believe you're human. It takes the pe- I mean, like I can't believe you just said that. Like you just said what all the squares do. do you, why would you think now they're reading books and saying I'm playing rushing f- teams that run over a hundred yards and are getting more than ten? Right. right? That isn't how the people bet. Like, the people bet favorites, right? Yeah, so how are the books not getting smashed year after year? And you know, the truth is, they actually are. You hear all these bookmakers, and, and they're, they're crying, and th- th- well, we never win no in baseball. They yeah, cry no they cry no matter what. what, but they really don't mm. do well in baseball. Does Fezzik have baseball questions today? You got one extra yeah. if you got it. And last thing I'll say as you're preparing the question is... It, it, <sighs> If you are, how do you account for this, guys? Last question. Dime lines are, if you're betting the money line, all this other stuff's got 20 cent straddle. So effectively, your VIG is double. I mean, do you lean up? I mean, you will often say, well, I can't do that because they got a 30 cent straddle instead of 20. I mean, you're doubling the straddle on these bets. You think that these derivatives gain at least that much? Or should you try to err towards playing at a dime book and playing money lines? It depends. Okay. Okay. It, What's Mike Lee say? Well, if you're talking about a minus 200 favorite, your dime line's in the garbage can. Well, but there's going to be a break point for each line. But that's, under that, that, exactly. But under that theory, if it's, if they go up to 60 before they break, that's even better. 60 to 50 Exactly. Is so if you're laying minus 160, right, so. take back plus 150, play the money line. As soon as you but get even a, at a dime line at 110, if it's minus 110 plus 100, it's still half the vig of a 20 cent straddle. Yes. If it goes minus 60 plus 50, it's even better. Exactly. Okay, but, so answer but, the question. But what, well, if it's a prohibitive favorite, like a minus two thirty, take back plus two hundred. There's going to be a break between no twenty cents to thirty cents too. But when I play the what the run line, now I'm back to playing t- t- minus one ten in each the direction. The break points go higher is because it's un, you're only paying the vig when you lose, and thus it's a situation where. Um, it's a, or it's when the dog wins. It's a situation where it happens so rarely it makes sense that you're going to get vigged out or p- charge the commission less often. Right, because the household yeah. is smaller. Yeah, but I, but I. So let, let, let's you're muddy in the waters. Let's just say we're only talking games in the minus one thirty range. I, I look to the money line. I avoid the run line because the double stra- the double double the, the straddle is too much. Yes. All right. Seems like we were talking derivatives the whole time. It seems like an important point. Now, for Scott, he's bored by that. Because he's like, I'm only, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried but about. But I think all it's that. a non-factor when you get a minus two twenty favorite because that dime line is but long. But Steve, gone. I, I got to do. You keep saying it, so I got to do it. We'll slow down just one second. So as the line keeps going up, the reason the straddle gets higher is because the vig's only being collected in in rare cases. You agree with that, right? Yes. You you want to jump in, Mackenzie? Mackenzie. No, I was just talking to AJ. Just don't let us interrupt you. I asked a question. It's on Bro, me. Don't I, let I us I turned I mean, my mic you, off. You guys know how to turn the mic off, right? Mine. I turned mine off. His was still on. It's my bad. He just keeps his open now. No, I thought mine turned both off, but it didn't. He likes to talk, doesn't he? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I was asked. I was asking what the dime line was. I haven't heard that term. So. Oh well, you don't bet base. So dime line is now these. I don't. I'm not betting baseball at this point. Is how many? I mean, or is it real prevalent the dime line, or is it? It's, it's yeah. Not so, so the dime lines when if you got a pickup game, it's minus 105 on team A playing team B. You can lay minus 105. You're explaining this to me. 
No, to the audience. Why are you looking straight at me? Because I'm making eye contact. <laughs> With the person you're not I talking to. I know you to. know what it means. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is is a lot of books are offering it now. They are. Yeah, so effectively, because they wanted baseball action, because baseball gets less action, they said we're cutting the VIG in half. So if you lay 130, you get back 120. But if you think about when you play the spread, you got minus 110, minus 110. It's a 20 cent straddle. Yep. Which is the 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 four point what seven six percent or whatever it is, is that four point five four five four, and um so, so here effect in theory you literally have half the vig, the commission and if you're bet if you say I'm only going to bet underdogs that are like in the minus or plus one thirty to one forty range, it's even less than that. So I mean you end up having vig that's like what thirty five percent of the normal twenty cent yes. straddle. Yeah, that's an estimate. Um, so last point about this is at a certain point, there's going to be a break point from the 20 cents to the 30, right? So let's say at 170, they go to 15 cents. I mean, different books do it different ways, right? Then at uh, two, 210, it might go to 20 cents or whatever, yes. right? Okay. At, right before each of the break points, that VIG, even though it's more than 10 cents, is a better deal than the 20 cent straddle VIG. Absolutely. Because so, that's happening about half the time. So your default should be look to bet the money line much more than the run line. I yes. mean, think about Canelo. Let's say someone had a minus 400 plus 370. Would you say that's a 30 cent straddle? I don't want that's no, a much less. That's VIG. a tiny one because the percentages are so slight between, you know, yeah. between the two. I yes. mean, so, yeah. So in general, if they're breaking you fairly and they call it, you know, the break point, if they're breaking you fairly. And if they give you a dime line, they're usually the type that's going to break you fairly. Sometimes they'll give you, say they have a dime line, but once you get past like 25, they start to make it 15. Yes. I think Bodog used to do that. Yeah. They okay. make it minus 138 plus 125. It's like really early. Yeah, or if not more. If right? not, minus 140, 125, yeah. All right, so you got one baseball question. All right, this is going to be my best bet, but I'm going to let Scott decide. Oh, well, let's okay. do it. We could use a little. Let, let's do the best bet first. Oh, you're going to let him decide. <laughs> Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Toronto Blue Jays under 93 wins. I want to play the Blue Jays under. Now, this is a team I was very high on. I don't like what I'm seeing at all. Now, they're 17 and 13. Mm -hmm. They're kind of performing as we expect. They're supposed to be a team that wins a little more than 90 games, but their run differential is minus 10. They've been winning lots of close games. I think it's unsustainable. The Yankees are clearly, clearly the best team in the division. I don't see Toronto getting to 95 or 94 wins, or even I'm worried about them getting to 90, under 93 wins, Blue Jays. 93. I think they're the third team in that division right now. and Really? You think Tampa better? Yeah. I love Tampa. They, and they do things right down there. So they we've really got do. the 538 and, numbers McKenzie put up. McKen they've got them projected out for 92 wins. Yeah. Um I think the, the the hope is obviously the Yankees. Their pitching has just been incredible right now, and the, the the one thing that I'm concerned with is that this offense at any time can explode, but they're not getting the pitching. And Gosman is as good as he's been. He's not doing what Robbie Ray did last year, right? Mm -hmm. But Alec Manoa is stepping up, and he is filling that void. He has been that best pitcher for them. Ninety three. Yeah, I'd probably if you, if you if you if maybe bet it right now I'd go under. But if you 
if you told me that line was 89 and a half, I'm going over. Because so, I, I think they're I think they do win 90 games. Hmm. I think they're I think, but I can't, if you told me 94, 95, I'd probably I'd say no right now. So he has a strong opinion under your wavering. What assumption are you making that he doesn't agree with? Do you think? So you've downgraded them. I downgraded them because because of how good the Yankees are. It's it, it's combination the minus ten run differential. I can't get past that. We're already you know thirty games in. So you're saying this is almost double an NFL season. And their, you know, Pythagorean theory is that it's, it's thirteen and seventeen, yeah. So, and they're but they're seventeen and thirteen, masking the fact that they're 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 really underperforming. And what you're but seeing Boston's with the eyeball is performing too. And I would think that Boston improves. They got they got to improve greatly. I don't think they're going to be you know a contending playoff team, but they're definitely going to improve. So if Boston's going to pick up some wins. Then maybe some of those come at the expense of Toronto losing some games. And so. Baltimore is not. If you look at the division, the Yankees are better. Tampa yeah. Bay is better than we expected. Boston's to be seen, and Baltimore is on pace for what they ex- expected. One question: You guys keep talking about the Yankees. If you think about it, how many games left do they have against the Yankees? Let's say that the, what's going to be the variation? The Yankees are 10, 20, 30 cents better. 30 cents over X number of games. How much does that really matter? So they play 19 times. The rest in of the division. year? So the rest of the year, probably 13 or okay. 15. Uh-huh. I don't know the exact. Yeah. They're playing each other now, this, this series mm. now. Okay. And then, so if you said, okay, let's say it's uh, 15 cents. You know, a game like you're saying that you think the Yankees might, might fi- be two thirds of a game at most. Okay, half a game. Half like a game. The, the real quality of the, these teams seems to be the issue, right? How good is Toronto? How good is Toronto? Is, is my only assessment really not as good as the preseason expectations? What was the total? Ninety-seven and a half? No, they were in, oh. they were at ninety-two. No, the preseason total? Yeah, they so were. They haven't been downgraded. They've been upgraded. One. Yeah, I yeah. bought oh, from memory. It was ninety-one and a half. Was MGM. That's so this seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, you, so they've been upgraded by a game and a half. They're on pace to win their preseason expectation, and and and, yeah, that, and they've got uh, a negative run the home, differential. What's the home road split so far? Oops, I, because s- correct me if I'm wrong. This was the first year they were going to be nice and comfortable at home. Full time in Toronto. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. I did Toronto? not make note of it, so I think it's close to 50 50 They're nine. Well, they played uh, 16 home games, 14 road 10 and games. Six okay. Home. Yeah, I got to tell you something. I, I that seems like a no-brainer, right? You're. <laughs> I don't know how to get that not on. <laughs> Damn ESPN. But the, the, it seems to me what you're saying is we've got almost well, 30 games, right? Yes. And the Pythagorean tells us his team should be below 500. Absolutely. They're above 500. They're not the team you thought they were with the eyeball test on top of the run differential. And they've been upgraded. Yes. Yeah. Even no, though, I, yeah. Even though their win, per, if you take their win percentage now times 162, what's that come to? I think they're right on pace. Well, what do you mean you think? Right. Let's just do it real sure. quick. If, you, if you're going to ask a question, let's get the numbers. 91.8. Okay. Yeah. So what we're saying is we expect them to play better than this, even though this has been overperforming the run differential significantly. Yes. Wow. I love it. So as we thought it through that way, Scott, is it under? Yeah. Because okay. what I said, yeah. If you give me, I think they're right around their win total. I, I, I didn't realize that their preseason win total was ninety one yeah. half. I figured they're right now. I plan, I have them as between the 90, 91, 92. It's so in most. a weird way, he's saying he thought a modest downgrade was probably enough, but they haven't been downgraded. That's right. And that's where your edge is. Yes. All right. I, I like, like it. it. Yeah. And I love I, your reds bet, by the way. I mean, they, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to win their fair we, share of games. We got time for one more. Your total Quickly. is great. Minnesota. 
I want to go over, over 87 over. wins. Did you see the Byron Buxton stat that uh, New York Times wrote an article this past weekend? Byron Buxton is like the greatest player in baseball history. Um, he, the book is Buxton's tremendous, but he just can't stay healthy. Yeah. So far, so good, so, right? So, yeah, his, the numbers are unbelievable. When Byron Buxton plays, right, over the past couple of years, he's got an 8.4 war. There's only it's only like Mike Trout is better than him in the past couple of seasons in terms of you know WRC plus and and uh, and his WAR numbers and then if you just look at their record, they would win well over a hundred games right now in 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 uh, they're 124 and 73 with him since 2019 with a run differential of plus 233 and without him 94 and 109. Minus 97 on pace for only 75 wins. This dude stays healthy. Minnesota might win that division over Chicago. And, RJ, this is a case where not only is Minnesota kicking but massively exceeding their expectations. They're supposed to be about a 500 team. Um, they're 18 and 11. They got a plus 25 run differential, but their division sucks. Kansas City is way underperforming. Detroit, way underperforming. White Sox, way underperforming. Cleveland, pretty much on pace. All right, so that pick is what? Minnesota Twins. Over 87. We're going to make that a best bet as well. Two so best bets. Doubling up, huh? They might win the division. They're 94 wins. Oh, oh they, the they should like win yeah. the division. I, I, and they're pick them right now against, you know, let they me, are the White Sox. Uh, let, win. let me see your sheet of paper with your NFL stuff. All right, so AJ, you got a best bet for us. I do have a best bet in college football. Well, the, he's getting ready. The conference odds uh, came out this week, and I'm going to go with Ohio State to win the Big Ten. You got to lay minus 200. I don't feel bad about that at all. I don't see a loss on their schedule, to be honest. And after last season's disappointment, I think you get a focus. So this is who wins the Big Ten championship. Who wins yeah. the Big Ten championship. Uh, I, I think you're going to get a focus, strong season from the Buckeyes. And the offense is going to be dominant once again. Despite losing two first-round wide receivers, they still return the best QB wide receiver combo in the country with C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigbo. The two games that they lost last year were because their defense let them down. So what they do? They went out and they got the best defensive assistant in the country from Oklahoma State, Jim Knowles. I think they fixed that problem. I think Ohio State, the way they've recruited, is incredible. I, I, I think they are still the class of the Big Ten by far. Michigan regresses. Uh, I like Ohio State. Best bet to win the Big Ten. Okay, thought. If Ohio State's not in the championship game conversation, but they are in the Big Ten championship, or if they're not in the playoff conversation – but they're in the Big Ten. I think that's a real negative. This is the kind of team that might not play well in the championship game if they've lost like an important game that causes them not to be competitive for the playoff. I agree with that, but with so, the, with conferences the way they are, it's hard. Oh, go ahead. Let, go ahead. It's hard for a Big Ten champion not to make the playoff. Well, that's just a crazy. I mean, it's like it seems like year after year. That, um, there's been two times the high states won it and they haven't got in. I mean, it. With only four, with four teams and two SEC teams, pretty much every year. I mean, that's interesting. How many of the last Big Ten champions have made it? Take a gander at that, McKenzie. That's interesting. So, I guess my point was: Do we maybe look at the same theory of the bat for them to make the playoffs? Because then it, we're going to get a bigger payoff, I think. But the theory is we get them motivated the whole time. I would like that. Those those odds aren't available. Yeah, yet. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I like where you're going. You like that? Yes, I, no, to make the college football playoffs. Circle will have that. I asked McKenzie if he'd seen it anywhere yet today. So you, it, your instincts would have been the same. It, they were the same, but it, it, it's not available anywhere yet. Okay, Scott's running to Circle the deadline. Will have this, no. 
So what what are you going with? Oh, I don't have a bet. I had a best bet for prior to us recording. You have a best podcast. bet always. Uh, yeah. You don't have any future or anything? Baseball? Got any over-under? Who's the, who's the team in baseball you think either, either I'll tell you most right, underrated I'll tell, I'll tell, or overrated? I'll tell you right now. Uh, buying in on Shohei Otani to win the MVP. What's the just, current number? Four, four and a half to one? It, it's And I think MGM actually dropped it to like— Four to one? No, lower. Like three oh, to two. Like, yeah, it's just— it's insane. So, but there's, uh, there's other places. Uh, what number can you get right now? Looks like something good just happened. What number can you get right now? Uh, if you can find three to one, which it is available at some books, I would buy in at three to one. What do you think, Fess? Well, Tani just pitched a shutout and, and hit a grand slam. slam. <laughs> so, so those are pretty. Now, and and, and he, was, he was five to one before that, yeah. and those Here, are pretty significant. Here's a conversation that I had last night. At what point does the novelty wear off with Otani? Because theoretically, if he pitches good enough to be an all-star pitcher and hits good enough to be an all-star hitter, he's the MVP. He's the most valuable player. There's a lot of talk about him winning the Cy Young. So so he's the best – if he's the best pitcher and he's an all-star hitter, it's kind of hard to, like, ever pick anyone else. That's what I'm saying. At what point does the novelty wear off? Because theoretically, every year he's the most valuable player. If he pitches like an all-star and hits like an all-star. Well, Doesn't wear off, and, and no one, no one has like is out of the gate having a tremendous year. Also, the only thing with that the I depressed think ball, could right? hurt him is if Trout puts up MVP numbers, and then you're like, hey, you have another MVP on your team. Hmm. So yeah. the the WAR numbers that baseball was the first to have the wins do, above replacement. Do yep. they account for both his? I'm assuming his pitching and his hitting, right? Yeah. So when you add those up, is he far and away ahead of anyone? Like last year, for example. Uh, last year, I believe he was. Yeah. Because the theory is you're, you're going to be close to one of the best pitchers. And cl- even if you're the 20th best pitcher and the 20th best hitter, you're still going to probably have more combined. I, I, bu- I believe he crushed everybody last year. Okay. And then the question becomes, since there is the DH in both leagues now, he's ju- is he hitting? So Otani's not up here right now uh, on the top back. Oh, Otani's getting more at-bats this year because of a rules change that if he pitches – in, in prior years, when he was done pitching, they had to take him out, but now well, they get to at, leave him in. He's at a 1.1 right now. His teammate, Mike Trout, is at a 2.2. For war? For war. Okay, so they're saying, and that's supposed to be value, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And here's my question is, when he's pitching, I know you're talking about something different, but I'm asking this question. When he's pitching, he's they're just deferring the DH, correct? They're, they're just saying, we don't have it. We can choose not to have a DH. Our pitcher is no. no. How does he, it work? The, so basically, you could, he's the DH, but he's, pit, yes, they're basically waving the DH. But when Once he, he comes out of the game as a pitcher, he becomes the designated hitter for the pitcher that replaces him. That was the rule change. That's the new Otani rule. So he can, and then he could be replaced as a designated hitter. Well, yeah, theory. you could take him out whenever. Yeah, but, exactly. Okay. But if, so could, they, would never could, take he stay, could he stay in, well, who knows? Could, could he stay in pitching and but be replaced as a DH? No. Because he's, you can't bat for somebody. You can't if you're going to use a designated hitter for the for him as mm-hmm. the pitcher, mm-hmm. that he doesn't bat the whole game. I no I understand, but let's that say, means you're waving. That means no. Uh, yeah. But listen to what I'm saying. Let's say that that he's the there's uh, there's no he's hitting as a pitcher, I and then in the fifth inning for whatever reason he hurts his knee or whatever, could you say the DH now is someone else, but he's going to continue to pitch? No. Okay. 
It's, it's almost like he's two people. <laughs> yeah. Like he's the That's pitcher. how he is in fantasy baseball. Yeah. You have to draft Shohei Otani hitter, Shohei Otani pitcher. Like you have to, you, there's two different guys oh, you have to draft. Damn, that gets confusing. And then Spider Man gets there and it gets really confusing. When they start looking at each other. All right, all right. So um, I don't, here's the thing. Here's how you know MVP markets are beatable. The fact that they move so drastically upon a couple of plays like that, right? Mm-hmm. We, last year, I got a hold of you and said, hey, we should bet this guy. And we were like, I was like a day and a half behind. Yeah. And of it, course, it won easily. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is there, are, there is a time you can feel the momentum starting to change. But if you jump on top of it quickly, you can beat the move. But if it was a truly efficient market, it wouldn't move in these jags like this. It's so much a narrative. It's a vote. Yes. Right, so votes are, are are human, you know, and that's important. And like Scott mentioned, the, the hitting a grand slam is, it, I mean, it's, obviously it's great statistics wise, but also just pat, patting the resume of, you know, everyone Moving remembers down to it. Plus two twenty favorite right now. Plus two twenty. I don't want to bet <laughs> plus two twenty. I might bet. Buxton's at twelve to one, by the way. All right, I, so I like that a lot. Let's do a little Twitter around the horn here, Scott. Seidenberg, it's Scott's on air yes. on Twitter. Fez is Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K, Sports, S-P-O-R-T-S. AJ, you got to do yours. AJ is the real. Yes, he is. Okay, right. how do you spell that? AJ. Mm-hmm, I got that. I-S. Is, okay. T-H-E. All right. R-E-A-L. Are you sure? I heard Elon's going to make that illegal being that long. He might. Are you worried? No. Mackenzie, we're going to let you have one today because of your spirited cognitive dissidence. If you want <laughs> cognitive dissidence. Find me at Mackin Rivers on Twitter. Find me at Mackin Rivers. Uh, who, what percentage of people could get that right the first time, do you think? 30? I think 60. 60? Yeah, a lot of Maybe people. Maybe your Yale classmates. No, I think it's hip and urban, Mackin. People like it. Yeah, and most people are hip and urban. <laughs> you know, I'll let someone do my. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Uh, Was uh, that Robert Johnson? The great one. <laughs> All right. Now, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. Talking about the great one, RJ Bell. Okay. What, oh, AJ, you got one last thing. Hey, Scotty, if you got to run, thank you, bud. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, you had something on the ball. Oh, oh the UFC and the weigh in. Yeah, uh, we did win the best bet last week with Charles Oliveira inside the distance. And I had a chance to talk to Charles Oliveira's coaches because I trained with Charles Oliveira when he was coming up. uh, And they gave me the insight to what happened on the scale. So for those who don't know, Charles Oliveira missed weight on uh on, on friday at weigh-ins by, by a half, half a pound, pound right yeah stripped of his title the first ever ufc champion to be stripped of his title on the scale and and so before the fight even happens he's lost his title well technically the, the technicality was he was the champion until the fight started and there were people who were saying he should come up with a stomach bug and just not fight and then Ooh. you know in a month or two weigh in again make weight and be the champion if he had a stomach bug he would have weighed in correctly yeah well, so here's what happened it, the the UFC has digital scales that the fighters check their weight on. And Charles, he used to fight at 145 pounds. He had some trouble making weight there, so he moved up permanently to 155. And since he's moved to 155, every time he's gone to bed on Thursday night, the night before weigh-ins, he's made weight of 155 on those UFC scales. And this weekend was no different. Charles went downstairs, 155 on the digital scale UFC, 
went to bed, didn't eat anything, didn't drink anything, woke up the next day, checked that scale again, 155. So when he went out to the official scale, they told some of the fighters the scale had been recalibrated. And when he got on the scale, it said 155 and a half. And so the scale that he was with 155 at that historically has correlated to him weighing in fine. Is it the same scale that they were weighing the in? The commission on uses an, like an old analog scale with the slide and the weight at the end. Okay. And it, it was different. And once you stop your weight cut, it's really hard to get started. like start sweating again because you've obviously dehydrated yourself at that point. And he didn't get that. He had an hour to get it off. Didn't get that half pound off. Weighed the same, so they stripped he his title. He couldn't lose the half pound in an hour? No. Did he think about maybe amputating a toe? I don't think that would have been great for fighting. I know, but that would have been cool if it was a movie. He should have probably cut his hair. Would have been a, a smart move. Doesn't have a lot of hair, but maybe enough. That's interesting. You got to... Did he try one of those like, garbage bags taped up around him? I'm pretty sure he tried that, yeah. Did he ever watch Vision Quest? I'm pretty sure. Actually, probably not. He probably hasn't watched Vision Quest. I don't know. Shoot made weight. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they have Vision Quest, like the Portuguese version of it, but I, I would imagine. So what, what, what? what's the theory? There's some kind of um, uh, conspiracy or what? Yeah, that's what a lot of people are saying. A lot of people saying that the guy running the scale who's not affiliated with the UFC may have had some interest, uh, but they, they're trying, there's people trying to push to all digital weigh-ins because. Yeah. I don't like that at all. I like to see the thing about digital. It's a black box. You have no idea what kind of algorithm they got in. I mean, with, with the actual, you know, in theory, you get an analog weight. You can take off those weights and weigh them somewhere else and say, that is the right weight. Right, and it's scale like that's digital. What can it? You have no idea if it's fixed or not. Well, if you put a, a twenty-five pound weight on a scale, a digital scale, and it reads but, out twenty-five point zero. But but under that theory, you can do that with an analog too. But the be, except if, there's a, a human who has to adjust that to to get it like to. Yeah, but it's gonna. It's only gonna center itself at the right weight, right? Yep. So it might take longer to get there. To me. Whenever you have a black box, you don't know what's, what's going on, right? I mean, like if I said, Fez, we're going to take your temperature and it, it's like an old school analog one. I think that involves the, the butthole. We're going to round this all the way back. <laughs> Little Vaseline. Round. I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I was like two and I said, no. <laughs> I think before that, I didn't even know, right? I'm oh, feeling yeah, much I, better. I still ask I'll for go that to at school. The yeah, right. <laughs> so <laughs> you see it, and it physically analog is going up to a certain temperature, right? You can trust that thing. You get a little digital thing. How do I know I don't have it programmed to be 1.2, whatever your temperature, or 1.01, what your temperature is? Yeah. Remember when I was running the fever for three weeks when COVID hit and I just had a bad thermometer? <laughs> was that what it was? It, it kept showing me 102 <laughs> every nightly. And it was digital. And it was digital it? and it was exactly. all effed up. See, somehow you, in a way, you're not, a, but you, you go to church, don't you? I do. Because they say that a lot of people are embracing technology like it's a type of religion, right? Where it's like the computer says, and, you know, the science says. No, I fear technology in a but, way. But somehow you want a digital, like you don't want the good old analog weight. No. Like, why is that? I don't know. 
Probably because you because just human error with becomes all, in. All the dieting. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you what. As far as like when I try to weigh myself, like on the Caesar's Palace, like in 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 the spa, like the oh, like yes. a doctor scale, I, I, the, the doctor scale. Yeah. I have no freaking idea. It's like off by a pound. And that's what they're using. I mean, it, like the up and down sounds good, but, but off compared to what? Because if I set it at two twenty two. All right, or two eighteen, it won't move. Like it's like there's a three pound okay, range. Well, you're assuming you know what your true weight is. Yeah, maybe the other scale is off, and that one at the Caesars is right. Well, I'm just saying I could wait if I wanted to weigh two nineteen or two twenty one. If I put but it, it on there, it doesn't sit in the middle. It just stays there. It's so it's like well, it, then it's a flawed scale. It's a flawed scale. Yeah. You think at Caesars they do better? Yeah, that's right. not what it once was. So, Fez, this is this was the, the way to end the show, and uh, oh, we got some stuff coming up. What was it about? I forget. The great John Morant has oh, been. Oh, Morant. We'll get doubtful. your thoughts on that as we go out here. But here's what's funny. We, a couple of these Fez didn't go over. Uh, this is back to the schedule. You want to play teams breaking in a new quarterback early before they are up to speed. I agree with that, right? So whoever you expect to have a. Uh, now, is, there, is that the state? But this year, is there any new quarterback? You're saying even if it's not a rookie, it's a, just a new. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you're saying fade the 49ers early. Exactly. And the Steelers. Except I don't think he starts game day one. But they still have a new quarterback, right? That's a good point, yeah. But he is Mitchell Trubisky. That's right. <laughs> um, now, week 18, you want to play teams that might have division wrapped up, right? You, you want to play – if you're pl- – you want to play – all right, so Buffalo maybe doesn't have a – like the Steelers two years ago didn't have to win against Cleveland even though they beat them that last week. Okay. So you want to play Buffalo. You want to play Tampa Bay because you might get a cupcake instead yeah. of a great team. Yeah, yeah. Quite, so there's questionable motivation. But wouldn't you say the same thing for the crappiest teams? Like a Detroit – someone might be tanking for the number one pick. Possibly, but it's what? not going to have the same impact of, of playing the spare you know, t- bucks or the spare bills. I don't know when those teams are tanking, yeah. but I hear you. I think so. But you can almost be sure who's going to be tanking. You can't be <laughs> sure who's going to have the division locked up, right? Yeah, the, uh, well, Atlanta- we would have said the Jaguars must be tanking at the end of the season, and they were the worst team in the league, and they won week 18 somehow last year. Because of the weather. Because of, <laughs> of the weather. The oppressive I mean, heat. It all comes together. Okay, but here's the key. For the ninth, <laughs> for the ninth year in a row, Tom Brady's going to get old. <laughs> I mean, you got balls, man. Brady, have to think this is the year that he finally fades in the second half. You want to be go against Tampa? I think later. I cut and paste that from the last six documents. I mean, it was funny after they won the Super Bowl. I go, so Fez, what do you expect out of Brady next year? You know, where are you going to rank him? He goes, eleventh or something, like higher. But you know, and he, I go, what are you talking about? He goes, he's a year older. He's got to get older at some point. <laughs> he's going to be one day. Fez is going to be right. Well, no, this is going to be this is going to be the last year. <laughs> One day, and that day may never <laughs> may come. Yeah. All right, so oh, a Godfather reference, and go. that day may not come. Or one day this war is going to end. <laughs> you get that one? I don't. You never seen Apocalypse Now? Oh, I have seen that. Wow. I don't remember the quotes of every movie like you. This is something you're a wizard in. But I don't you do, think you, you do realize a pocket like these are like. Do you ever hear? Have you ever heard? I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Yes. Okay. I don't think you realize how uncommon it is for people to just be able to like quote. Oh, that one. No, but listen. Uh, there's a guy out of Pittsburgh. Uh, I think Ed Brichette is how you say his name. But he wrote. He was the Steelers beat writer, or at least he covered the Steelers. From 1974 till like yesterday or the day before. <laughs> so think about that for a second. Before their first Super Bowl, 
right? Through it all, you were on the inside. I mean, what a beat, right? Sure. And he wrote like a last article, you know, kind of talking about some of the old time, talking about Chuck Noll, talking, you know, whatever. And at the end, the last sentence he had as a, a professional writer, I guess you'd say, and he wrote for the Athletic the last couple of years, um, is he said that one day he was walking out and it was a beautiful training camp day and uh, it was the perfect weather. And he said something like, I love the smell of football camp in the morning. Or like he mm. did a derivative off of the, you yeah. know, the movie. And they, then he says, Tomlin said... You don't love football, Brashad. Like, you know, like teasing him. And he said, you know, maybe you're right. He goes, I, I love covering it. But it was like a, it, it, I think it gave you a feel of Tomlin's, you know, he's a ball buster, but he's having fun. But, you know, it, it, the idea of a career like that, it really is like, you know, you think about it, it's like, it's been f- almost 50 years. Yeah. The, uh, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle retired this year, too. Kind of the same thing. He covered all, like, the, in- the entire existence of the Oilers he covered. Wow. Well, he was there. So, like, Earl Campbell and yeah. stuff? Wow. Bum Phillips? On Twitter, they put a picture of the Oiler, and they said, what does this logo, what's the first name that comes to your mind? And know what I responded? What? Frank Reich. <laughs> the guy who beat them when they're up 35 to 3. Boy, you're just mean, man. <laughs> you're mean. So <laughs> apparently McLean gave the, the Texans an A plus on the draft. I heard that. So are you gonna start backing away from your hate? Uh I listen, I actually thought the Texans had a pretty but good hold draft. Hold on a second. I've been telling you for what, almost a year now that you can't hate on Houston, that they've made a lot of smart moves. They were in a bad yeah. spot. You haven't believed it. They made a lot of smart moves in the draft. And you, so you think it just started now? Like, when when did the bad moves stop? Well, I mean, I told. what did I tell you at the time about Davis Mills? <laughs> you told me Davis Mills was a nice lottery ticket. And what's he turned out to be? A lottery ticket where it's, let's use video poker, you've got two deuces right now. Okay. Two cards in. It might only be two deuces. Yeah. Or, Which is more than I thought it would be, so you, you were right. I mean, right now they've decided we're going to have another year with this ticket as opposed to a whole other. They could have drafted someone else. They could have. I think he's got a lot of potential. Honest to God, last question of the whole pod, and then we'll, Fez will take us out. Right? Oh, I guess we're throwing. We got, yeah, we got one last thing we'll throw. But right now, don't try to be funny because that's the worst. Try to be serious. Okay. Would you rather, if you were a GM, would you rather have Davis Mills or Trey Lance? Oh, God. Be honest now. Like, talk out, think out loud. So am I paying the same price for both? No, you're paying the, the prices, so, but you don't have a 50-year off. It's all the reality contractually. Both were drafted one year in. There's a 50-year option if Trey Lance somehow got to that before he was selling used cars. And I've got nothing to do with the draft picks that went for Trey, uh, Trey Lance? No, that's also not the factor. Because obviously, anyone sane, let's think about it. Would you rather have three picks, number <laughs> ones, for a guy that can't get on the field or a, what was it, a fourth rounder? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Fourth rounder for a guy that's gotten on the field. And I, played much better. I would rather have Trey Lance as of today. Now, what's your thinking? Uh, the fifth-year option. 
Except the fifty-year option now on a quarterback that does. I mean, like you got to be a really good. Remember, this is something I haven't said on this show. The fifty-year option has very little value at this point. Here's why: for a quarterback. Here's why: because you know, right? You either know, and thus you've done signed him early, or he's a. It's a, like, would they rather have a Baker Mayfield year that wasn't this fifty-year option? Like, what I'm saying is, it's so expensive. Like it's we're talking about fifty year option. Would you rather have it or not? At this point, it feels like because if you say you could say, well, if you don't want it, you don't have to exert it. But it becomes personal with the player. The player feels rejected. I guess the other thing I would say is through two games, through Trey Lance's two games, and if you took Davis Mills' first two games, well, it's not about first two games. It's about they let him play because they saw good things on tape or whatever. They said, no way. We want Jimmy G with a broken shoulder out there. Well, they, they let him play because Tyrod Taylor got hurt. Well, yeah, but once he did, they, I mean, even when Tyrod came back, but remember when Tyrod came back, he didn't get hurt. He got benched. But when Tyrod came back, the season was over. The season was over when the season started. <laughs> I mean, let's be serious. Is but it, I mean, but you, no, like talking about lottery tickets, what's the point of playing Tyrod exactly. Taylor? who's not part of your long-term plans. Exactly. The 49ers were a Super Bowl contender. With Jimmy Garoppolo. So, why, I mean, if the Texans were a Super Bowl contender with Tyrod Taylor, would they have benched him? But here's the thing. Once they – do you think they thought Tyrod Taylor gave him a better chance to win, but they benched him? Yes. Well, I mean, you're completely contrary to what everyone else thinks. So I'll, no, I'll take that. All right. Well, you shouldn't. If you're contrary to everyone, you're probably wrong. Like, okay. I'm probably wrong when I'm contrary to everyone. You can be in the minority. Ver- I mean, do you get any sense that they thought Tyrod Taylor, you know, Tyrod Taylor started the year for Houston, played very well, at least for a very short period of time, mm-hmm. got hurt. They were forced to bring in Davis Mills. Davis Mills played, you know, fine, but not great, not even close, not even good. Then Taylor got healthy. He came back. I think it was two, two and a half games. They put Mills back in, and that was it for for Taylor. They took Taylor out not because of any injury or anything. It was like he just wasn't playing as good as Mills. Did you get any sense at the time that they thought Mills was worse, but they were – I mean, like, I don't even know what – I I thought they were both in the same category, and they said, why not see what we got with our lottery? Play for the future. But that's different than what you're saying. If you're saying even, then you go to the tie is the – the, the young player that's that is a lot right. take it. But I don't think they thought they were hurting their chances to win. It felt like they were trying to win. I mean they had some Oh no doubt. No doubt. They had Houston had some spry wins. They met expectations. They won four games. Yeah. Somehow AJ had a special line that no one else had yes. four and a half. No, but you tell me get it early. I that was good. That was good. So who would you right now, last question, then we'll do Morant. If you had the choice with the current reality contractually, right? So you don't worry about the draft picks that came before it. It's today. Do you want Trey Lance or Davis Mills? Trey Trey Lance. Why? Potential. Potential. You mean on the field or (laughs) from North Dakota State? On the field. So what you saw in those two? Oh, games? not what I've seen, but what oh. I, what, but what, what might may happen? But only based upon what? The Davis Mills is never going to be an MVP. Trey Lance has a point oh one percent. We're back to the idea of thinking like, what's driving that assumption? Is what I'm saying. Yeah. But the, I mean, uh, to me, it's just like the would 
like I would still rather have Trevor Lawrence going forward than Mac Jones, even though Mac Jones has been significantly better through one year. Because I think that's well said. The pedigree of Trevor Lawrence, I with that. the tool set of Trevor Lawrence says tool that set. If it was tool set, could, wouldn't every first round pick? I mean, they they're gonna pick. They can identify the best tool sets every year, right? Yep. And they're what thirty percent on first round quarterbacks. Yep. Is, it's not even fifty. It's like thirty. Can they take Ryan Leaf? I mean, there's a good example, right? And there was real debate about him or Peyton Manning. Yeah, I just saw. Is they they interviewed him and they said Peyton Manning was really shook up that he was too that he didn't weigh enough. He bulked up because he was like twenty pounds lighter and than so, Ryan Lee. So did Ryan Lee. Oh, two seventy. <laughs> All right, last topic: John Morant bone bruise out indefinite or for at least the rest of the season. God, you know, I almost didn't come in today because I got a bone bruise on my hip, So, but I sucked it up, you know. That's what she said. Like, you said it best on SOV. Isn't bone bruise... That's what she's. Isn't that so... <laughs> isn't a bone bruise a good news? When is it... When, I, it doesn't sound bad, does it? Guys, guys get... No, I mean... I don't understand that. Now, listen, like I said, and we're going to play that SOV because I think we said it well there, is... I'm not in the business of saying these professional athletes are like pussies, right? I mean, they're tougher than me. Um, but boy, this sound, I think the fact they're saying he's out for the whole season pretty much, they're saying very likely, is them saying we want to tamp down expectations. He's out. And I, they're 30 to 1 to win the series. I now. know. Um, what's interesting is how they announced this. What? After. But under that theory, why not make it seem like he could be back early next series if he made it? And then worst case, if they somehow win, say, hey, he, he's gotten worse, it seems like it just makes him seem weak. You know, what's interesting is how he got this 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 suddenly worsened right after they lost game four in a close game that you had <laughs> were taking plus 10 on that you almost won outright. But the second they lost outright, correct so me. So you agree with – so that's what AJ said. He said he thought that if maybe they win, he plays. Yeah, I think well, so. If that's the case, that's a real indictment. Oh, I, I'm pretty confident of that. How I, often don't think does the, I don't think the player makes that. But see, I even mentioned you as someone who believes this kind of thing. Yeah, I, so. I heard that. I heard that. And you're, you're largely true the night. Poor, poor naive child of the no, West. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I just think these these I mean, AJ, you've been around professional. They don't think like, I mean, like UFC guys don't think I shouldn't fight this because I can't win. No. They just, they're, they're no one goes into a fight thinking that they can't win. Yeah. So I, I, I just don't, I think we're thinking like businessmen. And they're thinking like athletes. Yeah, well, look at look at that Memphis team. They look like they couldn't win against Golden State. They play their hearts out. They had they had they had it. They were right there. Okay, Fez, we appreciate. Now we're going to stick around, and listen to the replay of the SOV, and then you got a little something to say at the end. Let's listen. Quick little. Uh, no, I don't know. I think it went a little while. We're talking about Morant and what it all means. Breaking news: John Morant with a bone bruise out for the rest of the season. If somehow Memphis makes the finals, the bone bruise is keeping him out. Now, my thinking is a bone bruise doesn't sound that bad. Man, that's a statement. It feels like the, the, the team is saying we can't win this thing. And if so, is it a message to the other players? I think it is. Now, we don't know the severity of this bone bruise. Obviously, if they're saying the rest of the season, meaning beyond this series, should they advance, 
it's got to be to the point where it's restricting his movement completely. And it's not just about pain tolerance. It's that the guy can't walk or run or do anything. So he's really a detriment to his team if he does But play. how do you know how he's going to feel I in don't. two weeks? No well, one knows. The report did say doubtful to return this yes. postseason. So the, it leaves open the window. But they didn't say strained MCL, tear. That's why I said. muscle-wise. When you say bone bruise, to me, it sounds like it's a pain tolerance thing. Sounds like I sat wrong during the football. Like I, I maybe, slept on my arm. Yeah, yeah. It, it does. And listen, the, the worst kind of radio is non-professional athletes talking about pain tolerance and all that stuff. But it does bring up. I do think yes, that it does feel like hey, the the decision is don't risk further injury. He's so young. Why risk the damage? But to the his flip body side, the flip season, the surgery? flip side is this series is over. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Because it, like, why risk it? Because exactly. there's nothing really to gain yes. here. You're down three-one. Only 13 teams in NBA history have come back from three-one to win a series. Although one of those was against the Golden State Warriors, as we remember, and they probably feel, or Job probably feels, why run the risk when this series is over? Now this, uh, I just looked at the series price. I hadn't really thought on it. Before this announcement, wow, is before this announcement, it was 35 to win a dollar, $35 to win a dollar on Golden State and 14 to one on the comeback. I mean, that is a down only 3-1. I mean, I get winning three straight games. If they're coin flips, it's going to be seven to one. And it's they're not coin flips, but man, thirty-five to win a dollar before this announcement. I think it'll be interesting to see how it moves because I, I, yeah, I have to feel like some of that was built in that maybe Jaw wasn't going to come back. I, I mean, we didn't have it. Listen, there's no magic to this stuff, right? Is it's not like the bookies have secret information sources. We we didn't hear that he was unlikely to come back. Scott, you said you had someone on your show that was a beat writer from mm-hmm. Memphis saying you'd be shocked if he didn't come back. Yeah, and for it, for Game Four. For Game Four, knowing that. It was a do or die situation. I guess game five. It was game five, yeah. knowing that it was a do or die situation. Yeah. But the game last night, making it three games to one instead of two to two. Yes. Maybe that's why the. Yeah, but, but the whole conversation. Listen, MB. Let's get one kind of show rule straight here. We these professional athletes don't think like that. They don't calculate if it's three one. Mm-hmm. My chance is this. I'm going to try if it's. They are just. They're either going or they're not going. I think Fezzik does that all the time, and I never agree with it. They they don't do the math. We just talked about ownership though, and yeah. the, to the team saying, "Hey, it's in our best interest for the future for him not to play." Well, so it's not I always mean, we necessarily don't, we the don't athlete. Know if it's a team, we don't know if it's him saying this. We don't, but right? I don't think that it, I don't think it should be ruled out that there's. Hey, we. We've got his long-term health in mind now. That no, I think that's valid. The, the, the team would do that. I don't think the play. But what you're saying is, and what I object to, is the idea if they win, he comes back because their chance to win the series is decent. If it's 3-1, we can't win three in a row. You just rest, buddy. I, I, I think that if that's the case, that's an indictment. That's an indictment that if, if you can play. It's one thing to be Jordan year two, where supposedly they say you might be done for your career if you, if you step wrong. I don't know how much of that is myth or whatever, even with the last dance. But if you're risking your career to come back 
that's a different level, and I don't think people should. Like Kevin McHale still walks with a limp because he played in a certain game. The doctor said this will mess your foot up. He says I'm playing. I'm not asking the players for that, but if it's a discretion at two two, I would play at three one. I'm not. That's an indictment. There was a lot of people. Remember when Steven Strasburg, when the Nationals wouldn't let him pitch, there was a lot of people on both sides of it. Hey, we got to look out for his well, long term. If, if he wanted to pitch, he could have pitched. I mean, are you really saying if he says, I'm pitching a normal schedule, they're going to say no, and then what's he going to do? I mean, apparently, if you got someone, uh, Parker wants to leave Green Bay, even though they can franchise him for two years, and the fact he says, I'm done, they have to trade him within a week. So it seems like the power of the player, we should kind of accept now the GM is below the coach almost always in every sport. Well, I don't know. Mm. That's certainly not the case in baseball. Yeah. Right? Baseball, the manager is a yes man. Yeah, I think football for sure now, the coach is more. I mean, if you look at San Francisco, it's more Shanahan than it is the GM. And and, 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 in the NBA, that's interesting. I think it's not the coach. I think it is the front office because more in Houston, it certainly was. It, it, I, I, it's and good good job phrasing it as front office because mm-hmm. it's not necessarily specific. Could be the president, the basketball yeah, operation, whatever that's structure. Like, like Brad Stevens is the guy in charge of the Celtics. Yes. you know, mm-hmm. not Ime Udoka. You know, and you could look at every organization. Yes, the the front office is more so than the head coach. But I, general in almost every league. And I think certainly NBA, certainly NFL, keeping the star player happy is one of the core missions of the front offices, of the power brokers, right? I mean, what is the indictment of the Seahawks? Is Pete Carroll couldn't keep Russell Wilson happy, right? I mean, that is the conversation. And I think it's valid. I mean, look at the NBA. The coaches seem to be about who the players want to the point they laugh and say, we coach ourselves. I mean, at least in Brooklyn. So I think to some degree, we got to put this on the players. And I'm not saying that, that they should play when they shouldn't play. But I, if it is a 2-2-3-1, two, two, I would play in one and not the other. I, I don't like that at all. I would fan. say, when you, when, I, when you put it that way, and I think about the player empowerment in the NBA, if John Morant wanted to play and the Grizzlies said, no, we're not going to let you play, this, John Morant would play. So yes. I, I stand corrected. You, you, it, it, this would be a John Morant decision. And I think the only exception would be if the doctor, you know, you always hear he's cleared to play. If the mm-hmm. doctor says, well, I can't, you know, there there are insurance issues to some degree. Sure. If the doctor says you can't play, I don't think you know. I don't think it's even. A, I think it's a moot conversation because most, almost anyone's not going to play if the doctor says you can't play. Here's where the conversation becomes really interesting. If Memphis somehow pulls out a victory in Game Five, but it doesn't. It sounds like if they pull out a victory the next three games and then I'm pull out four more victories and make the finals, he's but, still not playing. Do right? we know that? Oh, I know we don't. It's, it just says that he's doubtful. But to but return. but but they don't throw those words around for no reason. They're trying to but, douse. They're trying yes. to douse hope. But keep in mind what we've already seen in this playoffs. We've seen the Phoenix Suns fudge the injury report when it comes to Devin Booker. We've seen the Philadelphia 76ers fudge the injury report when it comes to Joel Embiid. And now this might be another situation with John Morant. And these teams don't care. They'll pay the fine. But it doesn't matter. These injury designations, what we've learned so far in this NBA postseason, mean nothing. If they wanted to do that, they would have said he's doubtful for the next game. Yes. By saying again, doubtful for not the playoffs. Anything. This because is, this is no, he's, I, or I think he's making this. an interesting point. Let's say for the sake of argument that they think that he's out for sure. And just if you're just tuning in, John Morant is out 
it looks like for the season with a bone bruise. And we're trying to, we're speculating on what it all means. Here would be where I think Scott has an interesting point potentially. Let's say they knew he was out in game five, just physically couldn't play. There's a chance he could play in game six. If you wanted to have that Willis Reed, oh my, emotionally, we're going to turn, we're going to, um, you know, Golden State's going to feel waylaid. Oh, he's coming, he's playing. I think it's he doesn't play game five, but he does play game six after he was down. But the fact is, they're only obligated to tell you him the next game. Right. Everything beyond that is discretionary. And the fact they're saying it, I think he's trying to say, we, want, we don't want him taking heat for this. So the Grizzlies did announce officially out for game five, and their medical update does say Morant is doubtful for the remainder of the postseason, but is expected to make a a full recovery. All right, and he they're not obligated to say what he is the rest of the postseason. Mm-hmm. So that's them says, trying to say, yeah. let's stop. Because spe- if every game it's like he can't play again, yep. he can't play again, it looks like it's an indictment of him every time he can't play. What's this say to the other 11 guys on the Grizzlies? I think you make a good point. Like Scott's point is that it's saying, well, here's the question. They're going to know inside. That's one of the things the NFL guys talk about is you can't put a quarterback up there like they were talking about Trey Lance. Why didn't he play last year? It's like you can't have a situation where Trey Lance is not going to give you the best chance to win and you put him out there as a quarterback for other reasons. The team's going to revolt to that, right? And that's an interesting con. I never thought of it that way, but these players want to win. They're risking their own physical health to win. Mm-hmm. If you say, hey, because Jimmy G. You know, whatever rubs me the wrong way, or whatever the personal thing is with Jimmy G, but he's still there, by the way. If you put the wrong quarterback out there, the team's going to rebel. I think inside the locker room, they know if Morant's making a discretionary call or not. Now, let's also evaluate what happened in this game, too. Well, let's do this. I think that is our next thing. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, I'm A.J. Hoffman. He's Tom Brady's colleague, R.J. Bell. Dan, Mr. Dan Byer. Yes. You have a moment, sir. Yes, I do. Uh, did, did the suit say anything to you about, uh, are you allowed saying you're colleagues with Brady? <laughs> I got no message, but usually they want to keep oh, me away from everybody. Oh, I think the fact everybody. you got no message means you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Because, uh, Full steam ahead. The, did you hear about A.J.? They said he can't. Specifically, <laughs> he can't. That's weird. But thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. We actually got some breaking tape here. It's it's John Morant talking with his doctor. Now, do you believe this? This is this is big. It's true. Listen, listen closely. So what you're saying is, I am indestructible. <laughs> oh no, no. And in, in fact, even a slight breeze. <laughs> indestructible. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think indestructible was exactly correct. He bravely shook hands with Jordan Poole coming onto the court last night. I mean, Jordan Poole just by touching his hand, could have broken his wrist. Well, it does bring up an interesting point. Scott, where are you on this? We had a a spirited debate when you could say, well, in slow motion, it's like when you you see something in slow motion, Mm -hmm. it means you did it. We just can see it more clearly, right? It's not like you didn't do it. Is when he went... And and twisted the the bum knee of his opponent. What did you think of that? Not no intent there whatsoever. Guys trying to grab the basketball. And the fact he's out it, for the season now just another coincidence. It just happens. <laughs> Dylan Brooks trying to break Gary Payton's arm. I think that's what OJ said right <laughs> after. He goes, it happens. <laughs> right, we're straight out of Vegas. All right. So closing thoughts on this. I to me the takeaway of the game last night beyond the nice winner we gave you is 
the idea that I've never seen a team that was so good without their best player who also didn't have a number two. Like you could make the case, mm-hmm. the fact there wasn't someone that could step up and in the games that Morant did play and be the counterpoint where he wasn't all him in the clutch situations. That meant there was no one they trusted to be a number two. No. Then last night he's out and there was nowhere there to be number one mm-hmm. when the chips were really down. But that usually says, man, they're thin, man, there's a problem. But it's like, well, wait, they're so deep. That they're like they were, you know, twenty and five. Even when you count a couple losses at the end of the year without him, yep. straight up. So it's a weird combination. They're so deep, but they don't have the pecking order. Memphis clear in the playoffs. You need a closer, and you could see last night. And there's John- got to be someone other than the closer mm-hmm. in case they double the close. You know, the last one eleven of the game, the Grizzlies were up by three. Warriors go on an eleven to two run before Dylan Brooks banks banks in that thirty eight yep. footer. It, they were one for five Why from the field it? in that stretch. So somehow, of all the shots taken, the one that you're going to say was the lucky shot was a Memphis shot. It was a, a shot. They were down six, no chance they, to win. It was covered the second the, half uh, spread, by the But way. you realize <laughs> that, that, that when I took 10, we were covering regardless, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was happy for you but, to cover. Yeah. But, but that it, covered the second half line. Yeah, you know, anyone that's all like every play, when you get to the quarters in the yeah. end game, I, but I hear you. I hear you. Okay, we're back. You know, AJ sounded kind of smart in that one, I thought. (laughs) He had some good points. All right, Fed, you had something to say. Hey, hey, let's be careful out there. Talk to you next week.